Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. If I read this to you and didn't tell you that it was an FBI agent describing what Americans had done to prisoners in their control, you would most certainly believe this must have happened by Nazis, Soviets in their gulags, or some mad regime, Paul Potter, others, that had no concern for human beings. Sadly, that's not the case. This was the action of Americans in, in treatment of our, their own prisoners. How can it be the Schumer shutdown when Republicans control the White House, uh, the House, and the Senate? Come on, you know the answer to that as well as anybody. I mean, I, I, I have to laugh when people say that, oh, we control the House and the Senate and the White House, why can't you get this done? You, you know as well as anybody that it takes 60 votes in the Senate to pass an appropriations bill, right? You know that. I know that. Okay, so if well, you only have 51 right. votes in the Senate, then you have to have Democrat support in order to keep the government to fund the government. So that's the answer to your so question. The President asked Congress to come up with a solution for the Dreamers. Uh, Congress uh, was in the room, members of Congress were in the room with the President last week. Mm -hmm. uh, it seemed to be a fairly productive meeting. And then the whole process got blown up. When Republicans tried to... If I may, it seems that the whole process was blown up by the President's comments. When Republicans tried to add a discussion about Obamacare to the funding process in 2013, we are accused by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer of inserting a non-fiscal, a non-financial issue into the spending process in order to shut the government down. How is that not exactly what is happening today? There is no reason that you have to deal with DACA this week. There's no reason you have to deal with DACA before the end of February, excuse me, the middle of February. DACA doesn't expire till March 5th. This is purely an attempt by the Senate Democrats, led by Mr. Schumer, that's why we call it the Schumer shutdown, in order to try and get a shutdown that they think this president gets blamed. But we want to negotiate without a gun to our head. Speaker Boehner comes in and he says basically, uh, it's sort of like this. Uh, someone goes into your house, takes your wife and children hostage, and then says, let's negotiate over the price of your house. You know, we could do the same thing on immigration. We, could, we believe strongly in immigration reform. We could say we're shutting down the government. We're not going to raise the debt ceiling until you pass immigration but reform. It would be governmental chaos. I know you believe. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 21st of January, year of our Lord 2018, and the world is shut down. The world has shut down by our little intro. And, and make sure Nazi, we have all sorts of different subjects, but a lot of it's going to be the shutdown when we start off. And that was Chuck Schumer actually saying, hey, um, shutdowns are wrong under Obama. But now, hashtag Schumer shutdown is uh, trending. Because it was them. They shut it down. Some um, stuff other than shut down to begin. You know, um, up until, well, I guess yesterday, all 50 states had snow on it. Um, we just went through, and that's why you didn't get a podcast during the week, some serious crap. I mean, we had like 10 inches of snow on the ground. It was 10 degrees outside for a high. It's crazy. We've had some winter, and, and we're, we're back in some warmth now. We're on the 50s today. Um, get to the 60s tomorrow, but then we're back down into the 40s, 30s, and have some ice coming up to start fr Friday, or February, excuse me. So um, still a lot of 
winter left, but I thought that was an interesting statistic. They actually have a picture, and every state had snow in it. Every state, which is uh, insane. So back to the shutdown. Jim Acosta, Trump is telling allies Democrats caused the shutdown, but then he will be blamed. A source close to the White House confirms CNN. Gee, if that's true, where would Trump get that impression? This article asks. So Laura Ingram says, is this the same Acosta fellow who yesterday didn't understand the 60-vote rule to move legislation? And that was part of your intro, too. Being the good Democratic operative that he is, he he didn't even know how it worked. There's no way to say this is a Republican shutdown. As an independent, a person who doesn't like Trump, this was blocked by the Democrats. They don't give a fuck about vets. I'm going to put my rant up front. They don't care about vets. They don't care that I'm not going to get paid. I'm not going to get my retirement. I'm not going to get my VA check. I'm not going to get anything because they just want to give a bunch of illegal immigrants benefits. They want to give illegal immigrants more than they care about their own vets. And, and that's what it's about. You can hear all this other stuff and all the riffraff, but it really distills down. Democrats like illegal aliens more than they like American citizens. So they have blocked funding for the government to do that. How do I know this? We will prosecute employers who help immigrants, immigration sweeps, California AG says. They're going to prosecute companies who assist ICE in any way. I will bet you before this year ends, California will no longer be doing I-9 Verify. They're just going to say, all in, you get a vote, you get a driver's license, you get to do all you want to do. So, yeah, that that's that's where we're at. Immigrants, more important than American citizens. I love you, Democrats. You're just really predictable people. So we're going to close the loop, and instead of playing my cool bumper, which is going away, and I'm going to make a new close-the-loop bumper, let's just listen to the media's interpretation pre and when we actually did shut down. President saying that he's not a racist, that he's the least racist person that news media could interview. The president uh, and the Republican Party have a chance to prove that now. If they will help us reach a bipartisan compromise to protect uh, those who were protected by DACA and to give them, those who were eligible to sign and dreamers a chance, it is clear evidence to me um, that... Mary Bruce, you were on Capitol Hill that afternoon. It shot across the Capitol. I remember that lawmakers, a bipartisan group of lawmakers, went to the White House thinking they had a deal here that met the parameters outlined by the president himself earlier in the week. They get into the room. They're essentially ambushed, we're told, by these hardline anti-immigration uh, Republican members uh, of Congress, and then it all blows up. And look, they really thought that they had something here. And it puts Republicans now in this incredibly tricky position once again by their own president. And while you have many Republicans coming out condemning the president's statements, 
Where is leadership on this? You have heard nothing from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, not a peep from many Republican leaders. Paul Ryan has come out, described the president's comments as unfortunate and unhelpful. I think for a lot of people, that's how they would describe a parking ticket, mm. not exactly a strong condemnation. Exactly. This outlines why this is such a difficult debate to have and why there was such optimism earlier in the week that they thought they were finally making some headway on this. That has now all been completely upended because of the president's comments and now raised the risk of a government shutdown. Look, Democrats have long wanted to tie any action on this to this must-pass spending bill that they have to get done on Friday. And Democrats now feel they have the upper hand, to say the very mm -hmm. least. And sources and say they feel they that do. they will, if they reach a shutdown, sources tell me Democrats are confident they can have the president own the fallout. And privately, they feel like if this if a shutdown does happen, it's going to be President Trump and the Republicans who will take all of the bait and blame all of the Thursday. Absolutely. They were more about that before Thursday. They, they were very fearful of that this would look like this was their fault. If you're a Democrat, and you do anything to help this president who has sounded racist and Republicans who have attacked Dick Durbin, questioned his integrity, questioned his honesty. If you are a Democrat and do anything to help the government, keep, uh, help, the, help Republicans keep the government open mm -hmm. without attaching a clean DACA bill to it, mm -hmm. then you don't deserve to be in the majority this year, at the end of this year, because you're too weak. Democrats have to go after them. They were attacked. The president was racist uh, in his remarks. He's now attacked the Congressional Black Caucus and basically said they're jokes. They've called Dick Durbin a liar. You make them pay for that. And while you're making them pay for that, you also do what's good for America, and you get the dreamers. Uh, you get a deal for the dreamers. Or you don't give Republicans a single vote. They own Congress. If they can't keep the government open, the voters will blame Republicans, not Democrats. So, to finish what I was saying, Democrats, Republicans own Washington, D.C. You should not give them a single vote in keeping uh, the government running. That's their job. This is their government. This is their Congress. This is their presidency. The American people said they wanted Republicans to run Washington, D.C. Let them run Washington, D.C. Don't give them a single vote unless they give you a clean bill on dreamers. If you do, let me say again, you are too weak and too spineless. And too stupid. And too stupid when it comes to politics and too cowardly to be given control of Congress in 2018. Listen to the people in the streets. Listen to the people that, that knock on doors, that are going to be making phone calls for you in 2018. Don't do a deal with this guy. No doc. Good morning. Here's a big question for President Trump this year. Can he cut deals with Democrats? Last year, all the biggest deals, well, only with Republicans. And bipartisanship 2018 is in trouble after a promising start. Remember, just a week ago, cabinet room, President Trump, bunch of lawmakers, nearly an hour of televised immigration given take where the president said he would sign anything because he could quote take the heat well then came the backlash hardliners accused mr trump of weakness and toying with amnesty by providing protection from deportation for immigrants brought to the country illegally by their parents and at the prodding of chief of staff john kelly and domestic policy advisor stephen miller the president demanded more money for a border wall 
an end to visa, the visa lottery system and reduced immigration through family ties. Well, that complicated Oval Office talks late last week, tempers flared, the president used a vulgarity. And that expletive and its racial overtones have stalled immigration talks, a government shutdown looms, and now the president is trying to blame Democrats and Democrats alone for this impasse. Welcome, John, to this mid-January summary of bipartisanship, President Trump style. Democrats have been willing to go along with these short-term extensions of government funding over the last couple of months because they believed there was this good faith effort going on to deal with this issue, the DACA issue, in a forthright manner. This meeting uh, with the president and these senators has largely blown that up. Democrats, especially after this meeting, are fed up. And if they don't feel like the president is going to negotiate with them in good faith, they've got to draw a line somewhere. Friday, the deadline to fund the government right. maybe where so they draw that line. Democrats are trying to paint this as being Republicans in charge of Washington. They, they control mm -hmm. the White House, the Senate. They would the own House, a shutdown. And they would you. own yeah. the shutdown. Uh, so this gets into the question of who's really going to bear the blame for this shutdown. This would be the first time it had happened with Republicans in control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to. I thought you were talking to John. Um, I, listen, this is if this, this is a high stakes poker game, and if this was a Texas Hold'em tournament, the Democrats' hold cards are much higher than the Republican hold cards are. The last time one party held all the offices, the president and, and the president of the House and the Senate, and a shutdown occurred was in the 70s with Jimmy Carter, and that historical precedent, where Jimmy Carter ended up losing the presidency in 1980, and Republican and Democrats lost seats in the House and the Senate in 1978, is not a good precedent. So right now, I think the odds favor if there is a shutdown politically. It's going to benefit the Democrats. And it's coming on the year anniversary, it would come on the year anniversary if it comes of the president's inauguration. And he heads into his second year, the lowest approval rating for any president starting his second year. Yeah, George, the traditional gift, as you know, the traditional gift of a first anniversary is paper. And I think this president wants a bill written on paper that he can sign on his first anniversary. This is all headed to a situation, as you say, very unpopular president, very unpopular Congress, very unpopular Republican Party. The Democrats are not mu that much more popular. It's a, it's a perfect storm of bad politics in a midterm election year that could cause huge... Uh, the shutdown politics that we're seeing today are simply ridiculous. And who's going to get the blame? Well, how about a bunch of Washington bozos that can't seem to get their job done? Well, it, but one of the things that the argue, those arguing for using the shutdown as leverage is with a president who's changing his opinion a lot. Uh, the only way you can get the bozos in line is if you attach it to something vital like this and nothing focuses the mind like a hanging. Yeah, we, I'm old enough to remember back when Chuck Schumer was demanding a clean continuing resolution during the Obama administration to keep the government open. Comparing holding the government hostage to immigration politics was uh, simply creating governmental chaos. What kind of guarantees would Senator Schumer and the rest of you Democrats demand in order to proceed with a cloture vote and do a short-term three or four-day continuing resolution? Because you have to get it almost written in blood to be sure that... <laughs> the president won't change his mind or Mitch McConnell will go ahead with it. How do they get a commitment that they can believe from this president that if they support averting the shutdown, they who, can then get this deal next week who, or later? Who would be such a dupe as to believe a commitment <laughs> from Donald Trump? Certainly not Chuck Schumer, um, who I think was going to try to dupe the president. That's why we find ourselves in the situation is that one deal, one commitment was... If they think 
that they can shut down the government by going back on the president's promise of keeping the government open for a clean DACA deal. If they think that they can shut down the government and not see the president's own promise back in the fall, yeah. that he wanted to shut down the government because he thought a government shutdown would be a good thing, then they are dreaming and they deserve the minority status that they're going to get this coming fall. They are on the losing side of history. Everybody should be lined up uh, at a podium telling the Republicans we will not back down. Where are you they? You can't throw out the dreamers. You can't be a racist, Mr. President. And guess what? You're a racist. You don't want people to come in that aren't white, that aren't from Denmark, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I mean, so as, a, as somebody that's worked for, for somebody that's worked for Democrats and Republicans, what do you tell Democrats right now at this critical moment? Well, they should stand up because the Republicans are going to get the brunt of the blame. They're, it's all going to fall on them. They have the House, they have the Senate, they have the White House. It will fall on them. So, if you add all of that up, you can only conclude that the president wanted this dreamers bill too yeah he just wanted to shut down the government more so i'm really sad this or is on donald trump and the republican party the president is now uh... once again pushing america towards a government shutdown and as donald trump himself said of barack obama on fox and friends if the government shuts down make no mistake of it it is the president's fault he will live by those words, Republicans will live by those words, and Republicans will live by the president's own desire for a government shutdown this past fall. Well, it's a losing, losing hand for Republicans, and Democrats should attack in full force. Who will get the political blame if the government shuts down? So this blame game is is a bit of a, a scam in that voters blame everybody involved. But when you've got one party controlling the White House, the Senate, and the House, they will shoulder a disproportionate amount of blame. The Democrats have put it on the line, and, and some have questioned whether or not they're overplaying their hands by tying. Basically, they think this is our moment. This is our, this is our moment of maximum leverage to do something about the dreamers. The good news is they control nothing. So they have the least political exposure, the least risk in all this. Um, the other piece of good news for the Democrats is that a majority of Americans support holding dreamers um, unaccountable for the crimes, um, if you mm -hmm. view illegal immigration as a crime, the crimes committed by their parents. So yeah, that's, that's pretty long, I know, but understand the media is so in the tank for the Democrats. They're trying to push this like it's Trump's Shut down. And don't think that the Women's March, which we'll cover in the next podcast with the Pro-Life March, which was ignored, and I have so much good stuff on the Women's March, even using fake photos from last year to up their numbers, and and all the media saying the anti-abortion march, because they just are all in with killing toddlers for fuck's sake, because that's a woman's right to choose, wasn't scheduled for the 20th on purpose. This whole shutdown has nothing to do with anything but illegal immigrants and fucking Trump on his anniversary. That's why they did it. But I'd read articles. By now you know that they had a bill. They went through the bill. Democrats wouldn't do it, and it would have pushed to February 8th. Uh, the latest was February 3rd. They won't do that. They had one that would just get six months. They wouldn't do that, and they blocked it. Some people will say, well, five Republicans didn't. Yeah, they're fence-sitters. But the fact of the matter is, 
There is no majority in the Senate. The House passed this bill. The Senate only has 51 Republicans. And this is the problem with our system, if you ask me. We need to go back to simple majority. We just have to. In the age of Obama, in the age of Bush, in the age of Trump, it's clearly obvious, we can't function when the other side is just out to block everything over stupid shit. But as you heard a lot in that soundbite, here are other media. Matthew Dowd, a great... The great news about this time is that, choose, that those of us in the world who try to speak the truth and act from a place of love and compassion will stand out like never before. In dark nights, stars shine brightest. James Toronto answered it with 85 ha-has. That's how they think. They think they're standing on principle and saving dreamers. Jordan Fabian, a cost on CNN. This is turning into a Tide Pod kind of night. No one is willing to swallow a compromise. Stephen Miller, if a cost to chew a Tide Pod on air, I'll never badmouth CNN again. <laughs> Feinstein, people die, accidents happen. That was her extremist. People are going to die because of the shutdown. Well, then don't shut it down. Ed O'Keefe, for the third time today, the senior senator for California has changed her position now she will vote on the short-term spending bill. Because you can't say people are going to die and then block the bill. But that's what they're doing. Andrea Ruth, now anyone who has concerns or opposes DACA is racist. you got to hand it to the Democrats. They really know how to make an issue, take an issue they have leverage on and make themselves look utterly absurd. I don't think they look absurd. I think they look un-American. They have put all their chips in with people who aren't even legal. And let's talk about these illegals, these great people, these people we need to protect. Luis Bracamontes has admitted in court hearing that he shot and killed two Sacramento area deputies in October 2014. And as his trial got underway Tuesday in Sacramento, California, he giggled and claimed he wished he had killed more of the motherfuckers. Sam Stanton, an actual reporter, was reporting this, and I... Found it on Twitter, not on InfoWars. Uh, waste no time. 25 minutes into opening day of the trial, he blurts out that Deputy Scott Brown is a coward. Latest outburst comes in front of a jury as Prosecutor Ron Nagard is describing the events of October 24th. Brockamanis appears bemused, smiling through much of the presentation. Brockamanis has made outbursts many times, but this, this, the, uh, this, the first time media cameras have been pres- present to record it. Brockman has closely guarded, shackled his waist, yada, yada, yada. Uh, another outburst, cause he's stupid, Brockman says smiling. Be silent, Judge Steve Wright says sternly. He giggles and smiles. I wish I'd killed more of the motherfucker, says illegal immigrant accused of killing two t- cops. Chris- Christopher Cadelago, I will break out soon, and I will kill more. Kill whoever gets in front of me. There's no need for a fucking trial, he said. That's an illegal immigrant. That's an illegal immigrant. How many have we covered on this show, even dreamers, killing people for sport as part of MS-13? We did whole sound bites. We had parents coming on here talking about their kid were gunned down because an MS-13 member got out of prison. But we're not covering that. 
CNN, if Congress fails to avert a shutdown by its Friday deadline, the popular panda cameras at Smithsonian National Zoo in Washington will be turned off. Then Brooke Baldwin, NBC, and a whole bunch of them, went down the deportation thing. They're still running these little pieces. Brooke Baldwin, wife of deported dad who has lived in the U.S. for 30 years, tells us how she tried to explain to her kids. Does this feel like America, Jim Acosta says. The entire world tweeted this back. And I, and I want all you progressive resistance members who are blinded by the hate of Trump that don't understand anything and you don't research anything because you live in a bubble and you're just told what to think by the progressive media that surrounds you. It's no different if I lived in a very, very conservative state and all I got was Fox News on my fucking TV. I would only know conservative view. Well, you that's all you see. That's all you people in Oregon. You know, all you have is the Oregonian... NBC News, you just have it run down your neck. ABC News, Obama has deported more people than any other president. Make sure that sits in. We're talking about being upset because we're going to deport some people. Obama deported more than any president ever. You had no problem with it. But when Trump wants to deport some people, oh, he's a xenophobe and all his supporters are fucking racist, says Don Lemon. NBC went so far to go and do a piece. Then when you research the piece, the motherfucker who got deported was a drug trafficker. But you can't tell it in this soundbite. There are around 800,000 young immigrants who could be deported if a deal isn't worked out in Washington soon. And a recent study says a quarter of them have U.S.-born kids. So what happens to them if their parents get deported? In Mexico, it's actually a question they've been dealing with for years. There are around 50,000 foreign-born students in Baja, California. 30,000 of them are in Tijuana. And the majority of those are U.S. citizens. Are you an American citizen? Uh, yeah. Oh, you are? And Mexican. Well, my dad was deported... So, how long have you lived here? Just barely a year and a half. What's it like to live in Mexico? Different than the U.S.? Very different. I've actually cried sometimes. I miss my friends. You miss your friends in in the U.S.? As his school day was ending, his dad stopped by to pick him up. So you got deported and they followed you here? Yeah, basically. Can I ask you what happened? Yeah, I got in trouble. I was in drug trafficking. There's another person they don't want deported. Basically, if you're a brown person, you can go kill the panda at the zoo, and you're good to go. You get to stay here. Politico. If the government shuts down, Trump's television habits may be partly to blame. NBC Politics. Just in, Democrats have enough votes to block the spending bill in the Senate and prevent Republicans from keeping the government up and running. Senior Democrat aide tells NBC News. I want that to marinate. Understand, that's NBC, CNN did it, WAPO did it, New York Times did it, everybody did it. And that was out there for a week. Then the moment it happened, starting Saturday and Sunday, it's Trump's fault. But you reported all week that the Democrats have enough votes to block. They're going to be able to block that hateful Trump. And you were happy for it, you were pushing for it. But then you blame him for the shutdown? How is that possible? Alyssa Milano starts our Hollywood. We're one of the richest countries in the world. Clean, hashtag Dream Act Now, and fun chip. 
Republicans control the Senate, the House, and the Oval Office. If there's a shutdown, it's because the GOP refused bipartisan compromise bill. Hashtag Republican shutdown. Hashtag Trump shutdown. Alyssa Milano again. Dear Democrats, I get it. We must try to avoid a government shutdown, but hear me out. What happens this week will reflect who we are as a country. So the Republican budget plan does not include funding for these fundamental issues, then you must shut it down. First and foremost, that's a lie. It doesn't affect Chip. Secondly, there's Democrats. They're for it. They wanted this shutdown. And then when the shutdown happened, they're trying to flip the blame. Evan Roosevelt, breaking senior Democratic aide, tells NBC News that Democrats have enough votes to block spending bill and the Senate prevent Republicans from keeping the government up and running. This is now the 18th. We, we're still running this. That was the 17th. Now it's the 18th. Todd Trib V, using children health care as a bargaining chip and choosing illegals over America. Not a good way to start a 2018 campaign. Good luck with that. That's what most people are saying. Then there was the hashtag Schumer shutdown. Yesterday, by um, 7 p.m., Democrats got pissed because Schumer shutdown was tracking. Twitter got pissed, so they suppressed Schumer shutdown, and they allowed Trump shutdown. ABC, Politico, WAPO, New York Times, who you're going to be surprised in a second because they covered it differently, said Trump shutdown edges out Schumer shutdown to try to say that Americans know who really did it. No, they don't. Some of those were Mark Ruffalo, who just said Trump shut down 85 times to get his 280 characters. But it was trending. So people got really pissed. Nancy Pelosi, before he took office, Trump is happy to say the president owns the blame for government shutdown. As president, he blames Democrats. That tells you all you need to know, Trump shut down. And it was a big difference. I, I, I'll be honest. I went on Twitter, and I went to the... Twitter, I searched the Twitter hashtag, hashtag Schubert shutdown, hashtag Trump shutdown. Democrats were all hashtag Trump shutdown to try to play the Twitter game. Republicans were just saying, hey, you want illegals, fuck our vets. That finally started coming out yesterday because guys like me were tweeting and a lot of vets. I don't see the Republicans, Democrats, media talking about how I won't get my pension check. I won't get my VA check. I won't get anything under a shutdown. My wife won't be able to go to physical therapy. People at an MRI is going to be canceled. All the liberals are out there going, oh, that doesn't affect medical. Yes, it does, you dumbasses. But that isn't important. So they were doing that yesterday. Republicans finally got on board and realized, oh, fuck. That's the chip we should be playing. Jeff Merkley, 8 p.m., I'll be on MSNBC to talk about Trump shutdown. Let's make it a trend, Zach Pataka said. Mark Ruffalo, as I said, it was actually 1, 2, 3, 4, as in, okay, that's uh, 9, 12, 15. He could get 17 Trump shutdowns in. And then he says copy and paste it. Jimmy Kimmel rolls out on the 17th, the 18th, I haven't checked today. As you know, tying chip to spending bill is not a clean chip. Vote. It's transparent bid to lure Dems away from DACA. The majority, including Republicans, support a path to citizenship. Don Bendingo leads off our rebuttal to Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy, what's disgusting are your repeated efforts to mislead the American people by lying to them about the devastating impacts of government intervention in healthcare markets. Stated simply, you have no idea what you're talking about, and you're dragging people into an intellectual abyss. 
You have no idea about the quality and cost control problems associated with government as a third-party payer structured healthcare model because he's a comedian, because you're a median. You're not interested in doing homework. You are interested in propaganda given to you by Chuck Schumer. And it goes on. So by last night, the 19th, the 19th, the print broke ranks. New York Times politics. Senate Democrats blocked passage of a stopgap spending bill to keep the government open. Lawmakers have less than two hours for a shutdown. The actual quote or headline, Senate Democrats kill bill to keep government open past midnight. AP, Senate Democrats derail bill to avert shutdown. How do you think that went over with the progs? They attacked him and called him a conservative rag. On the floor of the Senate, Steny Honer actually did this. This is how dysfunctional. All you hear in the media is how dysfunctional the White House is. This is a Senate Democrat. Hoyer, just now, I believe we should stay here and do our work. What is your motion? I motion to adjourn. <laughs> I'm sorry, he was in the House. Joy Reid, who's writing the Democrat talking points? The problem isn't kicking the can down the road. It's the fact that Republicans took two sets of hostages, DACA and chip kids, are to tell Democrats, pick one to save or we'll blow up the building. No, they're not. Stephen Miller, laugh out loud. Jim Acosta, Mulvaney at top of briefing calls it Schumer shutdown. Ram Ramgagapal, how can it be Schumer shutdown Republicans control the White House, the House and the Senate, Acosta asked. And then we hear the soundbite where he is just skull drug because he doesn't know how to work it. But it wasn't him. Don Lemon was saying that. Here's Chris Saliza, Republicans control House, Senate, White House. How is it Schumer shutdown? Entire CNN, that's what they went with. They were doing the bidding of the Democrats from the 16th till now. It has been non-fucking-stop Democratic talking points. But I want you to remember, we heard one soundbite for 2013. This is 2011. Chuck Schumer, by keeping a government shutdown on the table, Senate GOP are playing with fire. February 3rd, 2011. That's from his goddamn Twitter feed. So... I want you to remember, under Obama, shutdowns were the devil. The media said the GOP was holding everybody hostage. In 2018, shutdowns are awesome. And it's a Republican's fault for the Democrats shutting down the government. That's where we're at as of the 21st. And it won't get resolved anytime soon. People like me who have savings will be able to pay our mortgages. We'll be able to pay things. But a lot of vets are going to get fucked. And soldiers right now on patrol in Afghanistan are not getting paid. Democrats don't care. I want you to remember, since 2003, Democrats have played for, with spending gaps, held it hostage, and not funded the military during a time of war. They've done that non-stop. And they just did it again. We'll close this and go into the rest of our close the loop. By the best soundbite I heard last night on CNN, 
tuned in quickly just to see what was going on between live PD commercial breaks. They are so histrionic that they closed a segment on what happens in a government shutdown with asteroids. Yes, it'll be Armageddon because of the GOP. Not just government workers, if the shutdown happens, it will have a, a real cascading effect on the economy. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If there is no deal, as these negotiations stand right now, nearly 800,000 undocumented immigrants who came as children, the so-called dreamers, would be thrust into a dangerous legal limbo. So would 9 million children covered by the Children's Health Insurance Program, CHIP. But plenty of other Americans who have nothing to do with any of that could also feel the impact. 850,000 government workers locked out of their offices and left out of their paychecks. That's what happened when the government shut down in 2013, and it would likely be the same this time, including many who don't make much. I have a child, and I want to make sure she eats, and I want to eat, and it's important that this gets done. Roughly 1.9 million government workers would be considered essential and stay on the job. Air traffic controllers, security officers, food inspectors, prison guards, social security checks would go out, the post office would be open, but at a steep price to many workers. The military will still go to work. They will not get paid. Okay? The border will still be patrolled. They will not get paid. Meanwhile, many services would be stopped or delayed. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention would back down its flu tracking program, even as the nation faces the worst outbreak in years. Some senior nutrition programs would be paused. 200,000 passport applications went unprocessed in 1995. Congress funds much of the scientific research done in this country. In 2013, that meant some experiments went on hold and suffered costly losses of data. And in space that same year, for more than two weeks, NASA reportedly stopped monitoring potentially dangerous asteroids. A big one, by the way, is expected to brush by Earth on February 4th. As for the 417 national parks, the administration wants to keep limited access wherever possible, but services would be reduced, and 19 of the Smithsonian's museums would shut their doors. The Smithsonian is trying to keep things open for the weekend, presumably for tourists who might be here, but then they close on Monday. And cleaning up all the mess afterward is not cheap. The current estimate, shutting down the government, would cost taxpayers Six billion dollars a week. Jake? Tom Foreman, thank you so much. It's not just the sick and elderly, young and healthy people are dying quickly after coming down with the flu. To the shithole, um, I had a soundbite, but I'm not going to play it, because I think I talked about it on the last podcast, but this is all bleeding together. Just remember, Dick Durbin, who's the guy that's saying this happened while nobody else is confirming it, he called American soldiers Nazis. This is what he said. He called his Nazis the Soviets and the gulags all over Guantanamo Bay. It was so bad he had to freaking apologize for it. But Frank Lutz, supposedly an independent, he's the one that we're going to cover on this one. Someone please tell me how insulting billions of people across the globe make America's great again. Teach me how you defend the indefensible, because I sure can't. His second tweet. And if you don't think calling a country a shithole necessarily means that people are bad, tell me how you'll react if someone called your hometown the same thing. Not to mention the remark was about the stopping immigration from people from shithole countries. So, yeah, it was a comment about the people, too, not just the local scenery or economic conditions. These were the replies. Truth hurts. 
every damn day by the mainstream media about the South. So take your sanctimony and shove it. Every day in the South, we are called a shithole, racist, deplorable. And since November 9th, 2016, the resistance, Hollywood, and most of the mainstream media says America's a shithole. You're hypocrites. But CNN's the biggest. CNN leaps to the toilet. Network aired 195 uses of shithole. Not counting when Chris Cuomo put it on a fucking board. He wrote shithole. Nothing a 24-hour period. CNN staffers and CNN guests uncorked the profanity 195 times. That doesn't count Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. They could be headed for a 1,000 by now. It all doesn't count when you put the word on the screen. Uh, compared to Fox, the curse word was zero. ABC, CBS, and PBS NewsHour was zero. NBC Nightly News uncorked one. FCC obscenity regulations apply only to broadcasts from 6 to 10, so they did it after 10. NBC primetime shows used 14 shitholes from 5 to 11. Don Lemon himself used 33, 22 in the 10 p.m. hour, and 11 in the 11 p.m. hour. The New Day rolled out the day with 33 shitholes. And Jeff Yang, who despised reporters beating around the hole, the hole, I'm proud that the great majority of CNN anchors and correspondents, including Jim Acosta, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Phil Mudd, Jake Tapper, and Brian Seltzer, did not do so. He was happy they did it. <clears throat> But during this same time, Chris Cuomo said the following on his show. Chris Cuomo referred to White House aide Raj Shaw as Raj whatever his name is. Ellen Anderson, those one-syllable names can be rough because Raw Shaw is an Indian American. CNN could just care a damn, call another racist nonstop for nothing, and here's just doing it so casually on air. Seems that like Chris is the racist. Finally, Chris Cuomo said, sorry for the mistake, Raj. One up it again. Please know that you're welcome to come on the show anytime. Be treated like fucking shit. But shit all so important. These people are so important. These brown people are so important. Unless you're conservative brown. Then you're raw, whatever the fuck your name is. That piece of shit. Yeah. CNN's still trying to string shithole into the reason why this is really important shutdown. It's all about immigration. But what it's really all about is they dismantled an illegal act by Obama. And no, it's not 800,000. There are millions of this classification of illegal immigrants in this country. And not all of them are brought here by their parents. They were just brought here, and Democrats classify them. And all this is is one huge goddamn vote scam. They just want to get people to vote. So shut the fuck up about dreamers. Get the fuck in line. Do legal immigration. Or get the fuck out of the country. That's what a majority of Americans think. To Russia, Russia, Russia. There's a memo, hashtag release the memo is out, and it's not good for Democrats. And as of last night, the clock started. So within 19 days, we'll be able to get it. But what I picked up from Twitter was the following. Steve King, I read the memo, the sickening rally has set in. I no longer hold out hope there's an innocent explanation for the information the public has seen. I have long said it's worse than Watergate. It was not, it was hashtag never Trump and hashtag always Hillary 
released the memo. Mark Meadows, a view the classified report from the House Intel relating to the FBI at FISA abuses, the infamous Russian dossier and so-called Russian collusion. What I saw is absolutely shocking. This report needs to be released now. Americans deserve the truth. Hashtag release the memo. Ron DeSantis, two of them, saying it's just fucking horrible. Matt Getz, horrible. Should be no higher priority. Louis Gomor released, read the classified House Intel communication memo and repeated FISA warrant abuses. The truth may not set the guilty free, but it needs to come out. Lee Zeldin, Raul R. Labrador, Dan Bondingo. It's about to get real, and Obama isn't going to be able to hide behind plausible deniability. It's going down Obamagate. Release the memo and watch the roaches scurry away. The sting operation against Trump team is about to be exposed. The Democrats in full-blown panic mode. <clears throat> the public is about to see the corrupt Obama operation for what they really were, tyrants. The dossier is all important, but the real question is, why was the Obama administration spying on Team Trump in the first place? The answers are deeply troubling. Obamagate is the biggest scandal of our generation. This is going to get ugly. Dear Comey, you better prepare another one of your snippy tweets because you're about to get exposed as a fraud you are. The American people must see what Obama administration did in their names. Release the memo and witness the unparalleled abuses of power and the police state tactics of the Obama administration. The hack media won't be able to cover up the shitstorm that's coming. Dear media hacks, you better get your thinking caps on and start preparing your bullshit cover story for Obama now. And you better get real creative because one once they release the memo, Obamagate is real. I warned you months ago, sadly it took longer than I expected, as I underestimated the extreme depravity of Democrats. Obama doesn't have plausible deniability, and stupidity isn't a defense. Release the memo, and you'll see what these tyrants did in your name. This was going so large that Twitter suppressed it. Was just briefed by a friend on a probable content of the memo, no explanation undoes the damage done to our democracy. Our intelligent community was abused for political gain. I'm disgusted by what I've been told, and if true, people must definitely go to jail. Andrew H. Scott. Kimberly Strassel. D's claim there, there is grave Trump-Russian collusion. R's claim that it's grave abuse of FBI, of FISA. We've been rehashing this unanswerable fight for 18 months, but there's a simple answer. Release the memo. Let's see what FBI has or didn't have. So how did the left handle this? Two tweets and Schiff. Pretty sum up. There's something bad in this memo. Russian propagandists and how the Republicans have joined together to embrace release the memo. That's Ken Dillion. Scott Dworkin. There's absolutely no piece of paper like this stupid memo Devin Nunes is babbling about that changes the fact that dozens of Trump team members were in direct contact with Russia during the campaign transition and while in the White House, anyone saying release the memo is a traitor. And Adam Schiff said the memo shouldn't be released because it will cause more division. The question is, isn't that what Adam Schiff has been doing for the past year? Dividing the country and demanding the president be impeached? The Dem are screwed, folks. Release the memo. As we talked about on the show over and over and over. When the nation runs away from Russian collusion, Katrina Vandehoeven, a socialist, 
when she runs away and says there's nothing there, that it couldn't have been a Russian hack. Something bad happened. And as a person who studied the IRS and realizes that if Trump used the IRS like the Democrats did, he'd be impeached, just like Watergate. I put nothing past the Obama administration. They knew they were untouchable. They knew the media was not doing their job, was not researching, was they didn't cover anything. Remember, when Benghazi happened and Americans died and the Obama administration left them there to die, we played tapes on this show of ABC News asking, coordinating with other networks on how they're going to pin it on Romney that he shouldn't be asking the question. Right out the gate, our media was working with the Obama administration. But if we reflect back a couple months when some SF guys got killed on a help patrol, an advised patrol, they called it Benghazi, the real Benghazi. These hypocrites are beyond reproach. They, they're just beyond reproach. What Obama administration did with all our federal government's assets during his time in office is beyond Watergate. And he was allowed to because he was black. Nobody wanted to touch him. When you spend all your time saying everything's racist, you put yourself in a box. You can't say Obama did anything wrong because then you're a racist. Because anybody who said Obama was wrong was a racist. Remember, that was a play. So whatever this memo is, it ain't going to be good. Tweets of the day without a bumper. Planned Parenthood. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dedicated his life to the idea that racial and economic justice are foundational to our democracy. Today we honor his courageous vision and radical action to commit the farthering of his dream by continuing the fight for justice. MLK Day. Abuaju Ekoche. But how can you further his dream when you've aborted millions of African American babies since 1973? The day! So to other Martin Luther King one, Alyssa Milano, this morning on MLK Day, our president tweeted the phrase America first. I'd like to draw your attention to a photo of the KKK. And those who continue to defend and support this president and all his racist horror are more un-American than any of those you are trying to deport. Hashtag love is loud. I can read about 10 million. If he didn't tweet... On MLK Day, they call him a racist. When he did treat, they call him a racist. Paul Ryan, today remember the great man, blah, 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 blah. Save it, pal. Rebuke Trump, pass DACA, then we'll talk. That's from Jennifer Rubin. There's a thousand more with you're a fucking racist. You're a Nazi. Alicia. News organizations wrongly stating MLK was a socialist. Millions who died under socialism could probably disagree with CNN's statement. It's cool. I'll read one of a thousand from progressives. Odd how you forget that millions who died under capitalism, the two world wars, centuries of slavery, and the genocide of Native Americans. Bet they didn't think that was cool either. How can you get upset with Trump? 
hell for saying shithole when you call America a shithole every day on Twitter. The media does, the resistance does, you hate America. It's just absurd. And with our media, nobody points that out. Nobody sits there and stops and goes, well, you know, since November 9, 2016, the resistance says America's a fucking shithole. Democrats have said it's a shithole. And on our network, CNN, we say America's a fucking shithole. It's the worst country in the world. We have so many sins, we can never been redeemed. Chelsea Hander. Happy Martin Luther King Day to a true hero. This day means more today than it ever has. We all must honor the spirit of his fairness and equality and tireless search for justice. It is up to the white people to honor Dr. King and to think about what it must be like not to be white. The left attacked her and said, Hey, bitch, you're not white. (laughs) Seth McFarlane. The Trump legacy. Take a good hard look. Goddamn look. If you find it acceptable for a Big Mac chomping reality TV personality to rip a family apart for political gain, you're seriously fucked in the head. Three million deported the last eight years and Seth is finally waking up. All the right had to do on Twitter for the last month is just say Obama. The left doesn't know what Obama did because the media never reported it and they look so silly. So silly. Newsweek. Nuclear war probably won't get you in the suburbs, conservative magazine tells reader. So this, uh, I will tell you, is fucking horrible. David French wrote this. I'm going to read what he says, because the world attacked him and Joy Reid attacked him. And it was just unbelievable. Spare me the astronics. I wrote a short post saying people should prepare for bad events and not simply assume they're going to die. You're against preparing for the worst? In the annals of misleading and ridiculous tweets, this takes the cake. I did not argue in favor of risky nuclear war. I never said anything like the words in those quotes. I wrote only in favor of prepping for bad events. He then said, not only did I not write what she says I wrote, I've written at length about the profound risk of North Korea, and he linked about 85 articles. Joy Reid because she got it from the left, Newsweek, because she loves Newsweek, which is just clickbait we're about to find, wrote this. In the magazine in question is the National Review. We have truly entered the age of insanity when the conservative argument is in favor of risky nuclear war. Don't worry, it only killed Democrats and minorities. Shame on you, David French. Charles C.W. Cook. This is a disgusting lie. David wrote no such thing, or did he imply such a thing? I say this is beneath Joy Reid, but it's not. How ugly is our politics that one day David has doctored photo of his mixed-race family thrown at him, and the next he's at the end of this. The shame here belongs to Joy Reid and those employ her. David's post, which is about preparation for disaster, is nothing else. Self-Mandel, same thing. Julia Gelliff, a tale of a hyperbolic telephone in three acts. One, National Review, a nuke would spare most people, especially in suburbs, but also big cities. Two, Newsweek, North NR says a nuke would spare conservative suburbs. Twitter, NR says nukes are okay because they'd only kill black people. David Shapiro, I can't believe David A. French wrote in favor of construction of nuclear weapons that will only kill the cutest corgi. Sorry, he is surely history's greatest monster. After much condemnation, this is Joy Reid. Taking back my take on this, the raw story write-up doesn't reflect his intent. 
And I think Aunt M would probably agree, David and I disagree on almost everything, but my take on this was way off track. Jill Byer, a reporter. After accusing French of being in favor of risking nuclear war because it only killed Democrats and minorities, this is a totally inadequate response, Joanne Reed. Taking back my take, how about I'm sorry I was completely wrong, please forgive me. I think everyone expected more of an apology to David in this once August National Review. Taking something back isn't the same as apologizing for misleading it. Jim Garrity sums it up. Wait, you're admitting you didn't even read it before you denounced it. And she didn't. It spurred articles all over the internet basically saying the tale, what did they call this? Um, the tale of a smear. And they show how it was done. But she just didn't do that. Joy Reid did this, and I distilled this down. This is a 10-tweet rant. She's talking about Jeff Flake, who the media love because he hates Trump now. This is what she said. He would lubricate the rich and lavish tax cuts and deregulation on rich corporations exactly as Trump has, because those things aren't Trumpism. They are standard Republican policy. Jeff Flake and Trump are identical when it comes to stripping vulnerable Americans of health care, making it rain for super rich and the whole life-wrecking life GOP blue paint special. So leave me off the flake praise bandwagon. He is a Trumpist, full stop. And another thing. If Jeff Flake is our savior, why is he fleeing the battlefield and quitting the Senate? Which he points out is we're there to check the president. I guess his heroism be confined to fundraising for his 2020 bid from the same plurocrats who juiced up Trump. Jeff B., the idea that Jeff Flake is a Trumpist is so divorced from political rally that it calls in question the groundlessness of every position you advance and hold. The world said, what the fuck is lubricate the rich? Or, hey, what did Obama do? The only thing that was working under Obama and improving in our economy was Wall Street. Joy Reid should not have a TV show in our country. And that MSDNC still employs her after the hateful shit she writes on Twitter shows how twisted they are as a network. So I'm going to do a Don Lemon. If you watch MSDNC, you're un-American and you're a racist. You hate white people. If it works for them, it can work for me. This one is awesome, hate. As Twitter reported, no less than Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself took to Twitter after hearing that an 11-year-old girl had been attacked on her way to school by somebody trying to take off the hijab. The problem was, it was a total fucking lie. HuffPost Canada, the girl who lied about a job attack, deserves an apology because people called her out. Within this, the whole gist is, She's a child, nobody should be attacking her. That's how the media played it. That's how Trudeau played it. She made up a fake story. The media went crazy that there's so much anti-Islamism in the country. There's homo, there's fucking, there's fucking people that hate Muslims. Islamophobia. It was all a lie. And then when people call it out that she should go to fucking jail for it. Oh, she's a child. 
How can you talk to a child that way? You know I can talk to a child that way, lefties? You talk to conservative children all the time and say all sorts of heinous shit. You've been doing it since November 9th. Well, come on. You've been doing it forever. Republican kids are fair play. Democratic kids are little angels. Sarah Sanders. Alexa, we have a problem of my two-year-old can order a Batman toy by yelling Batman over and over again in the Echo. This is from Walter Schaub. He says that's an ethics violation. Others said, you're fucking lying, Sarah Sanders. You're a whore. You're a slut. You work for Satan. And I ask everybody all day, because this week, I was writing replies to Joy Reid and all these people. I got shadow banned, said I was being abusive. I wrote a long diatribe to Twitter. It was removed. Because on the very thread that I said something and used a curse word, the person in question used a curse word and they removed it. But I ask you once again, how the fuck can progressives get away with their conduct against conservative women and you people do nothing to stop it? Why? Oh, I know why. Because Twitter is part of the DNC. Hypocrisy! Our hypocrisy. Dale, uh, Daniel Dale starts us off. This was huge. It was done by Gallup. It was in all the major media. I'm just going to read one tweet. I'm not going to go into every reply. Gallup survey finds Canadian approval of U.S. leadership plunged from 60% under Obama to 20 under Trump. It's now 20% approval, 76 disapproval. Pew's slightly different survey released in June found Canadian decline from 88 or 83, excuse me, to 22. In a second tweet, they say that they like China better than us. That's our media. They just care about the world. Newsweek. Hillary Clinton could still be president if Russia probe finds conspiracy evidence. Understand this week it was released. An internal memo from Newsweek. A reporter was leaving Newsweek because they couldn't take it anymore. And they released it. And that memo says they are told to do shit like this. Because they're so financially distraught, they just do clickbait. Doesn't have to be a real story. Doesn't have to be fact checked, doesn't have to be certified, doesn't need sources, just print it. Anything crazy, print it. Our segment today on health, you'll see it, because, oh yeah, I don't think I've missed the fucking health report. That was our lead today, but of course the shutdown bumped it, but yeah, they're, they're, they are just clickbaiting. Tucker Carlson sums it up, Newsweek 2050, Hillary Clinton can still be reanimated and installed in the all Oval Office, and that's so fucking true. We have a nice hypocrisy segment today on CNN. 
I want you to know, right off the bat, the Dow's up, black unemployment, none of that's been carried on CNN. They have this page, President Trump Today Live Updates. Every day, that page, which is linked off the front page, they just go after Trump. I just want to make sure we preface that as we go into it. They're still running the porn star thing, which has been proven to be false. Jug Legum is going crisp, just crazy. And within it, Jug Legum is saying that CNN and everybody is horrible and they're protecting Trump. Stephen Miller, picture the media reporting of Obama had. Let me stop you right there. Uh, they didn't report anything. Matt Dowd, White House 2018 in a nutshell, week one, is the president mentally unstable? Week two, is the president racist? Week three, question mark. J Street, which was linked within this, his threads, about how a boss doesn't like Trump. Kind of goes back to the Canadian thing, doesn't it? The media really cares about a fucking terrorist? Are you serious, Matt Dowd? Washington Times, Maxine Waters, Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted Trump impeached. Dan Bondingo, invoking MLK for this outlandish statement should eliminate Maxine from any serious conversation in the future, but it won't because liberal media hacks celebrate this type of insanity. WAPO did an article this week on starbursts. Trump's fascination with starbursts. And then he only has second certain colors he'll eat. That was news. That was news in our country today. A split screen on CNN. Chris Saliza from 12-11-17. It is beyond offensive for Sarah Sanders to say that journalists are purportedly reporting false information to forward some sort of agenda. Just appalling. The tweet that the world lost his mind over. He's an environmental hero. He was a socialist before it was cool. He never let a political disagreement turn nasty. Many Americans have turned MLK into a safe holiday mascot, but some say King still speaks in ways that go beyond civil rights. All that's bullshit. Chris Silliza never mentioned their false news. Yeah. This week, Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough are getting Journalist Award. A distinguished group of journalists and First Amendment leaders that exemplify responsible journalism and who practice their constitutionally guaranteed duty to seek and report the truth. Newsweek again. My dad's not racist. He only cares about money, Eric Trump says, as he defends his father on Fox News. Byron York pointed it out. That's not true. It's not what he said. They did not retract. Betsy Woodruff. Paul Bogala just said on CNN that Trump wants to be like Assad. Jonathan Swan sums up CNN News. The good news is that in Trump era, the quality of cable news punditry just keeps getting better. Oh, yeah. John Farvero, a speechwriter for Obama. Tom Cotton, one of the worst people in politics. Because he said, and it was all over the internet, 
I saw what Senator Dick Durbin said, that he stood by every word he said. So let me be clear. I stand by every word I said. The difference is I'm right. Because everybody in the room, other than Dick Durbin, says he never said shithole. So Hugh Hewitt schooled John Favreau. Is it the Bronze Star, Ranger Tab, Time in the Old Guard, the Foot Patrols of Baghdad during the surge of the double Harvard degree, which upset you? Or was it that 17-point win over Senator Pryor on Cotton's amendment ending individual mandate? He's the worst person in politics. I want you to know, we've heard nothing but crap from the media when anybody insults, disagrees with, or calls out Duckworth. She's missing a leg. She's a combat vet. And they play, you're disparaging a war hero. It goes back to Kerry. The media and the left, their veterans are heroic people. That's why I'm not part of IAVA, which right check the prog leading the charge for all these idiots who just want to join a fucking, go join VFW. At least they're not fucking political. I won't join it. Because he's another liberal that during time of war in uniform went out and politic for a presidential candidate which is against UCMJ. So thus I won't join the IAVA. New York Times, new story goes all out on Trump racism prefers white people. Whole article, not going to read it. And my favorite was this week. During a Senate hearing, Cory Booker mansplained and destroyed the DHS secretary. Now here's the problem. She's a woman. Anybody else do this, it would be wrong. And up front, he tried to apologize. I wish they'd come out and deal with real issues of inequality when it comes to women, like equal pay for equal workplace. Da, 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 da. So I'm my conduct was on point, and my personal emotion and all this should be understood. I will fight against bigotry, racism, sexism, homophobia, whatever, intersectionality. He never apologized for this conduct. And yet we have language that from Dick Durbin to Lindsey Graham, they seem to have a much better recollection of what went on. You're under oath. You and others in that room that suddenly cannot remember. It was Martin Luther King that said, there's nothing in this world more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. And so here we are in the United States of America. And we have a history that is beautiful and grand and also ugly where from this nation to others, we know what happens when people sit by and are bystanders and say nothing. When old office rhetoric sounds like social engineering, we know from human history the dangers of that. Our greatest, our greatest heroes in this country spoke out about people who have convenient amnesia or who are bystanders. King said, a man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand. Elie Wiesel says, we must take side. Neutrality helps the oppressor. Never the victim. Silence encourages a tormentor. Never the tormented. Gandhi said, silence becomes cowardice. Cowardice 
when we occasion, when the occasion demands speaking out like Lindsey Graham did and acting accordingly. This idea that the commander of chief of this country could with broad brushes talk about certain nations and thus cast a shadow over the millions of Americans who are from those communities. And that you can even say in your testimony the Norwegians were, were preferenced by him because they're so hardworking. I, I I, excuse me, let me finish. Happy to. Let me just draw a connection of why that matters. I'm sure you remember the six words from our president, the six words that he said after Charleston, Virginia last summer. People marching with tiki torches and hate when he said there are very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides. When the commander-in-chief speaks or refuses to speak, those words just don't dissipate like mist in the air. They fester. They become poison. They give license to bigotry and hate in our country. I know you're aware of a 2017 GAO report that found, and I quote, out of the 85 violent extremist incidents that resulted in deaths in September 12, 2001, far-right-wing violent extremist groups were responsible for 73%. When I go through the black belt in the South, when I'm in Atlanta, black churches in Newark, they're concerned about jihadist Islamic terrorism. We watched the Twin Towers from Newark down. But since 9-11, 85 violent incidents, 73% were with people that hold bigoted, hateful ideas about minorities. One American killed in Charleston, Virginia, and dozens injured. Nine Americans killed in a church shooting in Charleston, South Carolina by a white supremacist. An American killed and another wounded in Kansas after a white supremacist targeted them for their ethnicity, saying, get out of my country. Six, six Americans killed and four others wounded in Wisconsin where white supremacists targeted individuals for their religion. The commander-in-chief, in an Oval Office meeting, referring to people from African countries and Haitians with the most vile and vulgar language. Don't language festers. When ignorance and bigotry is allied with power, it is a dangerous force in our country. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity. Right now in our nation, we have a problem. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent on white supremacist hate groups. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent concerned about the people in fear in communities in this country. Sikh Americans, Muslim Americans, black Americans. The fact pattern is clear of the threats in this country. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about this experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that hurt and that pain and to dismiss some of the questions of my colleagues, saying I've already answered that line of questions when tens of millions of Americans are hurting right now because of what they're worried about what happened in the White House. That's unacceptable to me. There are threats in this country. People plotting. I receive enough death threats to know the reality. 
Kamala receives enough death threats to know the reality. Maisie receives enough death threats to know the reality. And I've got a president of the United States whose office I respect who talks about the country's origins of my fellow citizens in the most despicable of manner. You don't remember. You can't remember the words of your commander-in-chief. I find that unacceptable. Mr. Chairman, I'm grateful. Now, I want you to understand, because you can't see it, his teeth are clenched, he's screaming, he's pounding the table. There's a meme on the Internet with him just looking like he's coming unglued. That was on a woman. So as you listen to all this women's march shit, which we'll do in our next podcast, and all all this important stuff that they talk about in intersectionality, once again, they're fucking hypocrites. If a conservative ever spoke like that to a female on the other side, it would be the end of fucking days. And how did CNN handle it? Well, they defended him. Chris Cuomo did. And they forget what we went through a while ago with Poca fucking Hannes. You accused Booker of mansplaining to Nielsen, Secretary Nielsen, who's, of course, a woman. Why? Why did you call it that? Well, Chris, I just think it, it would have been covered differently if it were a Republican senator yelling or lecturing a, 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 a woman coming before the Senate. But in this age of recognizing women as equal once and for all, on all levels, why would he have to treat Nielsen differently? She's so strong. She's so competent. She's so empowered. Why would he have to talk to her differently than he would to a man? I don't think he should have to talk to her differently, but I will say he was disrespectful to her as the Secretary of Homeland Security, and he was mansplaining to her, and I do think there's How a hypocrisy. How is it mansplaining just because, a she's, a, just because she's a woman? Elizabeth That's what you're saying. Because they talk to people like that all the time, how, Rana. Well, they talk to men like that all the time. As to how Elizabeth Warren is treated versus how Secretary Nielsen is treated. The when president Republicans calls her Pocahontas. Ask, yeah, but when Democrats interrupt Elizabeth Warren, the media goes crazy. And when it just happened to when? Secretary when that Nielsen, ever happen? they didn't go crazy. It, it happens. It's almost impossible to interrupt Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fact. That's but, true. But uh, who says that when Warren gets interrupted, it, you know, people go crazy in the media. Even the Pocahontas thing gets laughs these days, and that's about as offensive as you see in political mainstream dialogue. The president gets away with that on the I could play the soundbite, but I don't need to because we already did. Chris Cuomo himself, Chris Cuomo himself and CNN went all day on that. The disrespect. Do we remember the point where we were talking about Gabbert? And how the president called her a whore because she'd do anything to get reelected? Do you remember that? The outrage? How Republicans talk so poorly to women? Does anybody remember? Is it just me? That's how hypocritical CNN is. They don't even know what they do. So we'll close with our media mash. Eichenwall, FNC, White Nationalist Channel, Hardball, Jerks Off to Liberal News Resurgency, Great Soundbite, No One Will Get More Money Under Tax Cut, Peter Flake, Peter's Flake, uh, is saving the GOP, but 
Now, I guess not all webs like that. I, that's kind of confusing after you read Joy Reid. Ruben calls Con Guest an inhuman beast. And the my capstone, Sharpton calls Trump a race baiter. I'm not making this shit up. I, if I can, I want to share a little bit of inside knowledge on Fox. Um, you know, I think we ultimately, yeah, we got to stop pretending that Fox is a news channel. It is a, it is a broadcast network that is an offshoot of the Trump White House. But more important, it is a speakerphone for the white nationalist movement. Um, I have been personally uh, attacked uh, physically uh, by, uh, you know, I, I appeared on a, on a Tucker Carlson show. Uh, as soon as Tucker asked his first question, the volume in my earpiece went down. Tucker then began asking questions when I was speaking. You know very well that if you asked me a question right now, I couldn't understand it. And he did the same thing to Max Boot, a prominent conservative, because Max Boot is a never Trump. Uh, Tucker's a fraud. And Tucker has a lot of uh, uh, anti-Semitic uh, viewers, alt-right viewers. And one of them uh, intentionally acted to, knew I have epilepsy, intentionally acted to cause a seizure, caused long-term damage. Um, and I have been getting, I'm not even, I'm not even Jewish. I've been getting, every time Fox does something about me, uh, I get, uh, you know, Kikenwald and all these attacks like that. Uh, my family has been threatened. My children have been threatened. And it is, it is a constant thing that Fox keeps, you know, I have notified Fox through their legal department through their correspondence and the rest, that every time they play this up, every time they lie about me on the air, they're ginning up their anti-Semites to come after me. Uh, Jesse Waters, just a week ago, my wife started getting all these attacks on uh, Facebook. Uh, and so I was like, okay, who on, fa who, on, uh, who on Fox just did something? It was Jesse Waters. And mm -hmm. Jesse Waters literally pulled arguments that were going back and forth on, on uh, white supremacist conversation sites and recited them himself. And they were false and they were, you know, and I reached out to Jesse three times saying, call me. He won't. These relentless attacks on the credibility of journalists, the use of the fake news term repeatedly, calling the press the enemy of the people, these have real-world effects, not just here in the United States where we've seen an uptick in threats against members of the media who are just simply doing their jobs, but also abroad. When That's his idea of news. When the history of this time is written, Chris, and I've said it before on this very show, the heroes will be our free press, and the judiciary is bulwarks of our democracy. When the president says he won the popular vote, when he says that the crowd at the inaugural was the biggest ever, the press has stood up to him. As a journalist, you have a thick skin, right? You have to have a thick skin because guess what? If, if officials love everything you write, then you're probably not doing a very good job. You're, you're supposed to hold them accountable. Well, Chris, I think that, and I want to underscore, too, that Senator Flake is absolutely right and how important it is that Republicans as well as Democrats um, speak out against this type of, of rhetoric. Um, this is a bipartisan issue where it should be, a not, or a nonpartisan issue. I think that dismissing it as a clown show uh, 
is a disservice to how threatening and how dangerous it really is because it is undermining and corrosive to our democracy and the real threat here is that people will lose faith although frankly what I hear in Connecticut is that folks are watching MSNBC right. they're watching this show they're watching other cable they're reading at levels never before seen it feels like you're relying on this tax cut of the corporations of the wealthy to trickle down yeah, Southwest and American Airlines both announcing they're gonna give a thousand dollar bonuses to employees following the tax overhaul wage increases don't follow tax cuts like this so the world's largest retailer giving its US employees a bonus a wage increase and expanded maternity and parental leave so you're creating a huge tax cut Right. And you might not get wage growth. Right. The Capital One Financial, which just confirmed to CNBC that they will raise the minimum wage for all U.S.-based employees at Capital One to $15 per hour. And anybody who thinks that this corporate tax cut is going to trickle down to lift wages has a staggering ignorance of how public companies function. Wells Fargo said it would raise its minimum wage to $15 per hour. That the day we cut the corporate tax rate, you know, wages are going to suddenly jump up when there's absolutely no historical evidence uh, whatsoever that this will happen. Boeing announced $300 million in investments for corporate giving and workplace improvements. I'll ask you plainly, are you living in a fantasy world? AT&T announced that it will invest a billion dollars in the U.S. in 2018. Also, for 200,000 workers, it will provide them a $1,000 bonus. That is, how do I say this nicely, absolute nonsense. There are no examples anywhere of companies distributing their tax savings to their workers. Sinclair Broadcasting and Kansas City Southern are among others committing to bonuses. Generally speaking, when companies get tax cuts, they keep them for themselves and distribute them to the shareholders. BB&T pledging to give out bonuses of $1,200 for almost 75% of its workforce. And it Who says that giving corporations more money it, will make them raise wages? Stuff, that's it. It's also raising its minimum wage from 12 to $15 an hour. Will they actually increase wages? Will employees actually see the benefits of a corporate tax cut? None of them will raise a hand because that's simply not true. Bank of America says it's planning to shell out $1,000 bonuses to nearly 150,000 of its employees. This is a clear cut for the top, and it's a hope and a wish for anyone else. Its CEO announced the company would award special $1,000 bonuses to more than 100,000 eligible frontline and non-executive employees. The crumbs that they are giving to workers to kind of put the schmooze on is so pathetic. Jeremy, what, what does it say about where we are politically when a, when a sitting Republican senator compares a sitting Republican president to Joseph Stalin. I think it shows the crisis within the Republican Party right now over this president. Well, what would his motivation be? Like, what, what would possess uh, a sitting senator uh, to, to, on a random Wednesday, to decide to denounce the president in a floor speech and compare him uh, to, to, again, Joseph Stalin? I think he's trying to save his party. It I'm the daughter of an immigrant. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. My mother's from Mexico. And I live by the border. I reported on the border. I was just down at the border recently meeting with uh, the people that are protecting us and keeping us safe. And they so let me know. So how can you say what you're saying? 
How can you say what you're saying if you have this background? I appreciate our country. I respect our laws. And I understand that we can't just allow everyone to come in. We give out one million green green cards a year. We are the most generous country when it comes. No, we are the most generous country in the world when it comes. And that's wrong, too. One at a time. Jennifer Rubin. Okay. Number one. We do not have open borders. If you actually talk to any real people who actually work for the Immigration and Customs uh, Agency, she would find out that, in fact, we have fewer border crossings than we have. Um, our borders are more secure than ever. Excuse me, it's my turn. You be quiet while I speak. Um, secondly, we do not have a system by which anyone can become a citizen or anyone can be here. And it's circular logic to say that we are a nation of laws, therefore these people um, have to go. They don't have to go. First of all, Congress can make sure that they stay here permanently. Secondly, the president can extend that. As you say, Joy, Haiti, which he just called a shithole, is not a place that these people can return to, particularly after uh, devastation and um, some very poor policies on behalf of the United States and others. And Third of all, what kind of person would send back people who have been working here, who have contributed to this country, who have children here, who would be separated from the children, from their communities? What kind of inhumane beast? Are you raised by wolves? You're spreading misinformation. And first of all, these people have no, been that's not. until 2019, no, that's not. September 2019. They also can apply for legal status. So, you know, not everyone's just going to be like bust off tomorrow. So that's first of oh, all. Oh, well, second that's, of all, that's uh, right. So they just have to have the fear of that's being thrown out. Yeah. If you look at the fact that the United States has intelligence operations all over Africa because they need to combat ISIS and Al Qaeda. Do you imagine what the ISIS operatives are doing today, going around telling people don't cooperate with American intelligence against us? They think you all live in S-houses or S-holes. I mean, this is against Americans' interests, whether you're Republican or Democrat. This is a calculated political i mean we we have we have come so far in so many ways but donald trump appears does he not uh, determined to drag us back not 30 years ago but 100 years ago no he seems very determined and he, he's determined with his policies to do that and his language but reagan accepted it saluted it reagan had his own agenda with black america i didn't agree with it but he had it donald trump doesn't even have a black agenda he has no urban agenda he has no agenda for civil rights his agenda is to race bait and bring us backwards and americans today on martin luther king's birthday i'm in washington with his son going to Harlem we're doing things all day we need to say we can have a debate between conservatives and progressives over how to deal with civil rights but neither of us should tolerate people that just race bait with no plan and just want to play us against each other which is personified by this president stats of the day. Dow's up 31%, the most since FDR. 
Not going to hear that. Dan Bondingo sums it up, because I'm not covering it, because everybody's doing it. Dear Democrats, you should all stay home for the State of the Union. You've done nothing but make the state of our union worse by fostering racial division, economic destruction, health care uncertainty, and educational collapse. Go ahead, you clowns. Sit this one out. We've got it. Yeah. I'm not even covering how many Democrats. I'm not going. Yeah, th- We never thought you were going, dumbass. Voters currently don't want Oprah to run for president. 41% said the president should be a goddamn experienced person. But she gets whooped. If the election were held today, Winfrey would lead Trump 40% to 38 within the polls, 2%. But she wouldn't even win out of her own party. This one missed the media. Apple to pay $38 billion in taxes to bring cash overseas. They said they're going to take $252 billion in cash or cash equivalents from abroad. And they're going to create jobs in the United States. Nobody covered it. CBS covered it. I'm sorry. They covered it briefly. But they didn't say anything about tax cuts. They just said they're doing it by themselves because they're great Americans. American very concerned about liberal media bias and fake news. Huge poll done by very liberal news sources pretty much say that they know that the news is very against Trump. NFL ratings plunged 23 million fewer viewers during the divisional. And this little tidbit, NBC plans to televise any player refused to stand for the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, but there'd be nothing to show because most of the teams are telling people not to do it now. And this is a whole article how NBC's upset about that somehow. I... I don't know why, but they just are. And then last two is about movies. Movie theater attendance hits a 24-year low, but there was a 4% rise in ticket prices and the most amazing stat I've ever done on this show. Star Wars toys fell 200 and... What was it? 200% in 2017. All of a sudden, Star Wars toys are not selling. Because I think everybody's getting fatigue off all these, let's make another Star Wars, but nobody knows what it is. Because we're not super geeks and we didn't read the books. So yeah, there's your stats. We're going to go to a music break. And we're going to come into the doctor segment. I had to cover this. And then we'll flip on over into Trump's most fake news award. You knew I had to do it. This whole thing is hating on the media. How can I not cover that? And news and social media will close out our show today. So enjoy some music. Our artist of the day, and I forgot his name, and it was Clark. Gary Clark. I hear this on a lot of TV shows. So I decided to play the song that I really like. It's always in the background of some emotional scene. And I didn't know who sang it. Coming back 
Got a one-way ticket, I'm going home Back where I started from Oh, take me down south Will you take me home, Lord? Will you take me home, Lord? Always miss you when I'm gone. Oh, 
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. So I'm not going to play the soundbite, but by now you all know that Trump passed his physical and he took a cognitive test. Because we've covered for one entire year plus that Trump is mental, he's insane, he's racist, he's everything evil on the planet... And they've been trying to push the 25th. So this this article from the USA Today, White House Dr. Trump healthy, passed cognitive assessment, but needs to lose weight. White House doctor pronounced President Trump medically fit to serve as President of the United States, blah, 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 blah. President's overall health is excellent, Dr. Ronnie Jackson told reporters during a unusual hour-long briefing. It was unusual because the media made it an hour long because they did all a bunch of crazy shit in it. He did say the 71-year-old weighs 239 pounds, could use more exercise and better diet than his lower lower in fat carbohydrates. Trump, who's known to eat junk food and avoid exercise beyond golf, is overweight, and he has set a reasonable goal of losing 10 to 15 pounds in the coming year. He's more enthusiastic about the diet part than the exercise. President's yearly physical, Walter Reed, da 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 about questions of his mental fitness, he took this test. Jackson, a Navy rear animal, wore his uniform to the White House press room, said it's the first time he knows of that cognitive test had been given to a sitting president. Cognitive assessment. Critics began openly questioning Trump's mental health this month following a tweet and the publication of Fire and Fury, a lying book about the White House, in which anonymous Trump acquaintances questioned the president's mental stability. He is 229.9 on the BMI axis, and he is obese. Trump, who has gained three pounds since physical 2017, takes a drug to reduce his cholesterol, and Jackson said it may increase the dosage. The doctor added that Trump does not use tobacco or alcohol. One of the reasons he's good healthy, asked how Trump could stay healthy on a diet that includes McDonald's and Diet Cokes. Jackson said it's called genetics. I don't know. That was a question. I can do an entire show on the inappropriate, unprofessional, disrespecting the office of the President of the United States, or just one 18-month period ago, it would be called racism, where they went down the CNN rabbit hole. So how is this handled by blue-check Democrats and progressive members? Jay Cutler, 6'3 and 233. Donald Trump is 6'3 and 239. Rogue scientists. I'm so confused. Camp Chancellor, 6'3, 232. Trump's 6'3, 239. Left, Alex Ovechik. Donald Trump, rest in peace, my missions, said. Paul Gasari. Ronnie Jackson says Trump is 6'3, 239. Carolina Panthers linebacker Luke Kuchley, or whatever the fuck his name is, 6'3, 238. Dan Clark, Mike Trout versus Trump. James Gunn, Puyos was his thing. Trump's year of lies. Tim Tebow, Trump. Alamo on the rise. Obama is 6-1. Here's pictures. John Arvias. Obama was 6-1. Here's pictures. Here's another picture. Are you serious? 
They couldn't handle it. Howard Dean, passing the Montreal cognitive test does not mean Trump is mentally fit to be president. It probably means he's not psychotic. Congratulations. Brian Seltzer. Here's how the next few hours are grumped. Trump supporters will say concerns about Trump's mental health were always absurd. Case closed. The obvious response, the cues about fitness for office are serious. Someone should could be sharp as a tack, but still unfit. It doesn't fit our fucking narrative. Joy Reid, as someone who's not particularly interested in Donald Trump's cholesterol level, my only takeaway from this lengthy presser is that Trump is not in cognitive decline then the real question is, is basic intelligence and moral compass. Then she decided, because she hates vets, Dr. Jashin is by all accounts a credible, able clinician. He's also not a psychiatrist or psychologist. He can only assess Trump's physical health, which he says is surprisingly good for someone Trump's age, weight, and diet. Again, he is nobody. Jennifer Rubin. Trump got a cognitive test, not a psychiatric test. Does not rule out most of what is DSM. The entire world said DSM has nothing to do with this. You're a moron. But remember, she is a conservative blogger. WAPO ran an article, is Trump's doctor okay? But since finding himself with Trump's orbit, he's adopted a hyperbolic style and excessive flattery of the boss. He's just a Trumpist. Rather on rely on the word of the doctor who actually gave press Trump as, President Trump as physical, Milbank, who wrote this article, preferred instead to consult Brandy X. Lee, the editor of The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, an assistant psychiatric professor for Yale who has never met him but would like Trump to confine and give it a psychological evaluation. That is, if it wouldn't look like a coup. Brandy X. Lee, not even board certified, doesn't have a license. That's how WAPO covered it. Jennifer Rubin again. She said the tests, though useful for detecting Alzheimer and the like, indicate little about his high functioning, his frontal lobe functioning that we're questioning. Yeah. Somebody finally in this thread says, why do they have to trash the doctor? Because that's all the left did. I'm guessing the dear doctor partied on an overseas deployment with a few hookers with leaky bladders, and Putin owns those tapes too. We the people. Trump has heart disease. They lied about his weight. They lied about previous scans until it called on. The good animal followed orders and said that he was told to say, we can't have an official diagnosis that the president is incompetent. When Dr. Ronnie said that if Trump had a better diet over the last 20 years, he could live to 200, you don't think that's a bit strange? Old and busted is Trump okay. New bullshit is the doctor okay. I'm done. Fuck everyone. And that's how I took it. Then Newsweek got in, and with this clickbait, Trump's hair loss drug was recently linked to irreversible erectile dysfunction and depression. That's a news source. His dick doesn't work. Yeah, that, that's, that's a real thing. This, this guy and everyone replying to his thread have no idea that muscle and fat do not have the same mass to weight ratio. I don't know what the president weighs, but this is incredibly stupid. Which is a key thing. Of course, all these athletes weigh little and look better than Trump does. He's a 71 year old man. Jonathan Chait. 
I don't see what a comparison to a professional athlete who has 40 to 50 pounds more muscle mass than Trump is supposed to prove. It's just we're going to argue everything. Dave Rubin, his hands, his brain, his weight, his penis. Sports Illustrated, 6'3 and 239. These athletes are the same size as Donald Trump. Somebody finally tweeted Sports Illustrated. Now show us photos of a 70-year-old Sports Illustrated employee for comparison. Seth Abertson. Good news today. A military doctor effectively ruled Donald J. Trump competent to stay in trial while he didn't receive a full psychiatric evaluation. The screening he did have and his performance on it would make it very hard for him to ever claim he's incompetent to stand trial. Maggie Haberman leads off our media responses. Sanjay Gupta says on CNN that the numbers reveal that POTUS has a heart disease. CNN even sent out a news alert. Dr. Sanjay Gupta says President Trump has heart disease. Watch CNN. Byron York. Folks, it's not Maggie, it's CNN. Armchair psychiatrists have been replaced by armchair chair cardiologists. So in addition to armchair psychologists, CNN is now giving us armchair cardiologists. It's raining bananas. This is even more responsible than psychiatrists speculating that Trump has dementia. Trump, Navy physician, his cardiac health is excellent. TV doctor, he's going to die. Invoke the 25th. <laughs> Yesterday, everyone should respect the White House doctor. He took good, great care of Obama. Today, the White House doctor is hiding something. Trump is actually going to die. Then there was this. Chris Saliza, Trump workout regime, walking, this, that, run to the building next door, repeat. And then he did it on his Twitter feed. I'm doing the Trump workout. Now, I'm just going to pause and say the words that people listen to the show get sick of hearing. And so do I get sick of saying it. Could you have done that under Obama? Mock the President of the United States, disrespect the office of the President of the United States? Could you have done that? Anybody out there help me with this? Because I don't think you could have done that. Somebody wrote, working the very important Trump so fat satire beat for CNN. Well, there it is. CNN caught Trump violating Section 1, Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution, which clearly states that the POTUS was put in at least eight hours per day at a 24-hour fitness place. Or these tweets, the most trusted name in news. I sum it up like one Twitter user did. He's 71 years old. How many 70-year-old men do you know who go out of their way to exercise? How many have some sort of workout regimen? This is stupid. I'm sorry, CNN. I don't work out. I have a fuse back because I served in the military you don't like. And it got injured. I'm so sorry that I'm a fat piece of shit for you. I know I shouldn't drink Coke Zero Sugar. I know I should just eat kale like you do because you know better than me. Here's the rest of the media's coverage of this disrespectful bullshit. And does not exercise enough, but overall, he said his health is excellent. So let's discuss with CNN chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and Dr. Kevin O'Connor, who was Vice President Biden's physician. Okay, gentlemen, it's great to have you here because you see different 
findings and conclusions in the data and in the results that, that the exam results that you saw. So, Sanjay, let me start with you. Um, here is President Trump's official body mass index. He is reportedly yesterday six foot three inches tall, though that is different from previous official exams where he was six two. So somehow he has grown while being in the White House. Um, and his weight was 239, meaning his body mass index is 29.9. What do you see here? Yeah, I mean, you know, this this is uh, this is math. This is based on the numbers that uh, Dr. Jackson provided, and uh, you know, this is a, a a body mass index ratio. It's the body mass index is not a perfect ratio by any means, uh, but it is a good sort of indicator. And at 29.9. Uh, means someone is is overweight. Thirty, just to give you a little bit of context, means someone is obese. Okay, so, so he's that that point one away from being in the obese category. That's right. So you know, borderline obese, I think, is like is is how many doctors would probably describe mm -hmm. that. Doctor O'Connor, what do you see in what happened yesterday in the results? Well, as far as the results, uh, potato, potato. Uh, somebody's overweight or they're not uh, overweight. And uh, I really don't get hung up on uh, a point here, there, point there. But don't, I don't you think, think it's significant if you were in the obese category? It would be a significant word. Uh, and, you know, nobody wants to hear that word. Uh, nobody wants to see that on their chart. But how you would treat it, uh, no, that's not a, a huge difference. But, but Dr. O'Connor, do you think that the president's clean bill of health, that he did pass with the flying colors that the White House doctor was saying? Or did you see some any warning signs? I didn't see anything distressing. I, I view physical exams, they're either reassuring or non-reassuring. And President Trump's exam, by all the uh, information that Dr. Jackson gave us, seems to be reassuring. Okay. Uh, there are certainly uh, different colors to paint it with. You, uh, there's room to grow. I want, uh, I want him to be much more fit. Uh, sleeping better would be much, uh, you know, uh, a good thing for him. But it sounds like Dr. Uh, Jackson's plan seems to be addressing them, and now it's just a matter of compliance. Sanjay, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did see some troubling signs when you look at the data. So let me put up for everybody, there's this thing called the calcium score. If you have high cholesterol, your doctor sometimes encourages you to get a calcium score to see if the plaque is already building up in your arteries. So in 2009, the president's calcium score before he was president was 34. In 2013, before he was president, it was 98. Um, today, it's 133. And as you see from the little cheat sheet, fine print below, a score of over 100 means a high risk of heart attack or heart disease within three to five years. What do you make of these findings? Well, I mean, that, that, that's, that's concerning. I mean, I agree with Dr. O'Connor on this point, that you want to take uh, patients at this point in time. And I think what Dr. Jackson was saying yesterday in the White House was we've assessed the function of, of President Trump's heart. They did an echocardiogram. They did a stress test, and there was not cause for concern there. But when you look at the, 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 um, the findings you just put up there, Allison, this coronary calcium score is a score that a lot of cardiologists use to try and be predictive and be proactive. And if the number gets up uh, over 100, uh, that, that is concerning to a lot of doctors. It's concerning uh, because you, you can start to say, well, if you do nothing different, if, you, if things don't change, you can start to predict the likelihood of having some sort of heart event, cardiac event, a heart attack or something like that within a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. And you see the trajectory of President Trump's numbers, uh, no doubt, and I think Dr. Jackson alluded to this, uh, based on because of his diet and because of his lack of exercise, mm -hmm. that would be uh, part of the reason those numbers have likely gone up. And they have continued to go up despite the fact 
that he's been on medications. Mm. So the president has heart disease. Those numbers qualify him for having heart disease and it clearly needs a plan to try and prevent some sort of heart problem down the road. Mm. Dr. O'Connor, does the calcium score concern you? We heard today from a doctor who recently examined the president. He says the president is in excellent health. Watch this. Yes. With the president, that if he had a healthier diet over the last uh, 20 years, he might live to be 200 years old. I don't know. I mean, uh, he, uh, he, has incredible, uh, he has incredible genes. I just assume I was not going to do a cognitive exam. I had no intention of doing one. The, the, the reason that we did the cognitive assessment is plain and simple because the president asked me to do it. His overall health is excellent. Uh, are there a few things he could do to make himself a little healthier with the diet and exercise? Absolutely. I would say he sleeps four to five hours a night. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think um, he's probably been that way his whole life. That's probably one of the reasons why he's been successful. <laughs> Sorry. Clean bill of health. Incredible genes, right? Um, apparently. You know, listen, I want to, um, let's take it at face value. And we spend so much time criticizing the president, as we should. That's our job. I mean, I want to say the fact that he came out and answered questions for an hour today, that surprised me. I think that surprised you, Dana. And, you know, that's a good thing. And so do I believe every single number there? Not exactly. Well, I was, uh, I was just chuckling at how energetic he was, not what he was saying about the president. But, I mean... He seemed like a Trump fanboy. Yeah, when he said 239 pounds. Whatever, but I mean... I, I know I'm being a girther, we, but we, I mean... We rightly, complain, we rightly <laughs> complain all the time about this administration's uh, lack of responsiveness to us. That guy came out here for an hour today. He answered a lot of questions. Let's give credit where it's due. Yeah, and, and I just thought it was very, very telling that he explicitly said that he wasn't going to do what he called a cognitive, cognitive test. Right. But the president wanted him to do the test and then go out and report that's on right, it. That is right, so, right. so... That along with the fact that the president appears to be, according to the doctor, healthy, worries me. Because if he wasn't healthy, that would be a great excuse for this behavior. Now he has none, which you can then deduce other things that are far more nefarious and frightening. Steve Ratner, I want to ask you to answer to that. But I think it's worth saying. I just wonder uh, how you look at all this, given the fact that there's a shutdown looming. Well, actually, I had a similar thought about the president, which is I wasn't sure whether I was rooting for him to turn out to be cognitively healthy or cognitively not healthy. I'm disturbed that they if you're say cognitively he's cognitively healthy and you do all this stuff. It's it's pretty. I bad think the as word well. evil comes to mind. Dr. Jackson says the president has a lot of energy and stamina, but that he could benefit from diet and exercise. He claims the president is six foot three and weighs 239 pounds. However, the internet self-proclaimed girthers aren't really buying that wave claim. <laughs> Girther is an obvious play on the birther conspiracy. Some are even putting the president side by side to compare him with athletes of sim similar height and weight. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Anybody want to comment? I'm I'm not sure if it makes me feel better that uh, this doctor says that he has no cognitive issues. It makes me feel worse and more worried for the country. Well, it's just the way he is. I think what we learn here is that it's not any kind of an illness, that if he's erratic or changes his mind a lot or has outbursts, it's, it's his personality. He bullies people. He accuses them of giving sexual favors, if he maligns people, if he lies, if he calls countries s-holes, this is all not 
due to some sort of mental deficiency. Well, sadly, this all is those who behaviors he is. are this part of the normal spectrum. This is who he is. This is who he is. The, the, Fantastic. Some of the numbers are hard to believe. What I would say is that Dr. Jackson has a great reputation. He was yeah. President Obama's doctor. Sure. You had person after person from the Obama White House coming yeah. out on social media yesterday and saying Dr. Jackson is a great doctor. Give mm -hmm. the conspiracy theories a rest. So, some of those numbers did stop us in our tracks, but um, I no, I think at his word. Yeah. me too. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, listen, I, he does. I saw David Axelrod yesterday uh, saying that he had great respect for the doc doctor and he was a straight shooter. That means an awful lot. So we won't question the doctor. I will say on his his uh, mental sharpness, uh, if that is in fact the case, uh, and medically perhaps that is. Uh, he has shocked and surprised a lot of people who have worked around him mm -hmm. for the past several years who have been saying uh, that he is not. And yeah. uh, secondly, <clears throat> I've just got to say on the weight, uh, I know somebody who is 6'3 and weighs close to 239 pounds. And all I can tell you is this, if that's what 239 pounds look like, I would weigh 170 pounds. So, yes, I have great respect uh, for people who have great respect for this doctor. Uh, but if that's what 6'3", 239 pounds <laughs> looks like, uh, it's a shock to me. Uh, there have been some questions as part of your exam. I'm wondering if you talked to the president about this, about the president's mental fitness. He has pushed back on that, calling himself right. a staple genius. Can you assess the president's mental fitness for office? There was an incident recently where the president appeared to slur his words while giving an address. Um, did you look into what the cause of that might have been at all? Uh, could you just elaborate in layman's terms if possible, and you've been doing a great job at that, uh, uh, what you ruled out in these cognitive tests? Uh, you know, there have been reports that the president has forgotten names, that right. he's repeating himself. Are you yeah. ruling out uh, things like early onset Alzheimer's? Are you looking at dementia-like symptoms? I'm going to ask you a question that follows on the philosophy of, of the fitness of the president. Yes. Uh, the 25th Amendment, a lot of people in the country have been talking about it. It, it basically contemplates that a group of Senate-confirmed laymen will weigh in on whether the president's able to discharge the duties of the office. You, as the president's position, have certainly given this some thought over right. the years that you've been in your role. Uh, on, on what basis would you, and this is just a philosophical question, advise the cabinet that the president is unable to discharge his duties. How does, how does that bar get met? Can you say, um, given the president's age, he's somewhat of a peer to where President Reagan was um, at this time in his presidency. Can you say, given that there's scrutiny of what was overlooked at the time with President Reagan in terms of Alzheimer's and things he was then known to suffer right, from right. at a later date, can you say that whether the test that you ran would exclude any of those things and what the possibility of overlooking something like that would be. You know, how can you tell the American people that this time you're certain? Examined and then performed a, a cognitive assessment. Right. What is your take of, of all the doctors and clinicians all across the country who have said that in this president they see symptoms of this, that, and the other? Symptoms in what way? Well, symptoms of dementia. But when you look at the, 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 um, the findings you just put up there, Allison, this coronary calcium score is a score that a lot of cardiologists use to try and be predictive and be proactive. And if the number gets up uh, over 100, uh, that, that is concerning to a lot of doctors. It's concerning uh, because you, you can start to say, well, if you do nothing different, if, you, if things don't change, you can start to predict the likelihood of having some sort of heart event, cardiac event, a heart attack or something like that within a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. And you see the trajectory of President Trump's numbers, uh, no doubt, and I think Dr. Jackson alluded to this, uh, based on 
because of his diet and because of his lack of exercise, mm -hmm. that would be uh, part of the reason those numbers have likely gone up. And they have continued to go up despite the fact that he's been on medications. Mm -hmm. So the president has heart disease. Those numbers qualify him for having heart disease and it clearly needs a plan to try and prevent some sort of heart problem down the road. You heard a lot of CNN in there, and there's a reason why you heard CNN. CNN has all outgone. Well, you know, MSNBC approved their numbers by hating on conservatives, so we're going to go even worse. And once the president started calling them fake news, they have lost their goddamn minds. But none of this, once again, Trump is fat. I'm fat. Trump's an idiot. Trump's an asshole. Trump shouldn't be doing Twitter. Trump says shit that just makes things worse. That doesn't make it right that the media is in an all-out war with the President of the United States when for eight years I was told I was a racist if I didn't agree with single-payer health care. I was told I was a fucking homophobe when I didn't want the Supreme Court to go against the Constitution and overrule state rights to make people get married. I was told I'm a piece of shit sexist when I don't think we should pay for other people's goddamn abortions. If you had free goddamn birth control with Obamacare, why the fuck can't you goddamn close your goddamn legs or take your fucking pill if you want to hoe it up? Or make the motherfucker put a rubber on. Why do I got to pay for that shit? You didn't pay for mine. Yeah. You didn't report... And you defended the president at all levels. And now release the memo is going to happen. We've learned about Iran. We know the whole truth about Obamacare. And you don't let anything go. A fucking medical exam is all weekend bashing the president. Shithole, a fucking lie. It's all weak. And now, for one week, you said shut down the government. And now that it's shut, oh, Trump's a piece of shit because he shut down the government. You can't do this, folks. It doesn't work. People see through it. Which takes us to our next segment, which is the Fake News Award. And, of course, you know it's CNN. <laughs> This is a Fox News alert. The Trump administration just announced the winners of the hotly anticipated fake news awards. Chief National Correspondent Ed Henry is at the White House with the results on the red carpet. Hey, Ed. Ed Tucker, good to see you. As you know, there's been this anticipation. What will the president do? He's been teasing this out for a couple of weeks now. He's now listed about a dozen fake news stories in his words uh, that he wants to highlight. We're going to run through the top five, starting with number five, the president calling out the Washington Post for, in his words, falsely reporting a massive sold-out rally in Pensacola, Florida, as being empty. He says a dishonest reporter showed a picture hours before the event started, and it was much, much bigger. Uh, number four, Time Magazine falsely reporting that the president removed a bust of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from the Oval Office. Remember, this was something that Time reported literally day one, day two uh, of this administration. It was, it was a fake story. Number three, CNN, in the words of the president, falsely reporting that candidate Donald Trump and his son Donald Trump Jr. had access to hacked documents from WikiLeaks uh, before the public did. Uh, that was not true. Had 
to be uh, retracted as well. Number two, the president going after ABC News's uh, Brian Ross. In the president's words, uh, in this thing just tweeted out, uh, Brian Ross, quote, chokes and sends markets in a downward spiral with false report. Remember, that was about retired General Michael Flynn uh, and pleading guilty to that charge of, of lying to the FBI. Brian Ross suggesting that this dated back to co actual collusion in the campaign. That had to be walked back. That was not true. The stock market crashed on that initial fake news, the president calling that out. Finally, number one in the president's estimation for the 2017 fake news awards, I know you've been waiting for this, Tucker, the New York Times' Paul Krugman, the columnist, claiming on the day of the president's historic <laughs> landslide victory, in the president's words, the economy would never recover. As you can see from the market activity today, announcements like Apple saying they're pouring a lot more money into this economy, bringing uh, repatriated money back into the United States. That is something that the White House is crowing about tonight, Tucker. Paul Krugman. Unbelievable. Ed, thank you. Good to see you. Great to see you. So CNN overall won because they took back-to-back -to -back the sixth and seventh spot. First, CNN pushed a deceptively edited video that purportedly showed Trump crassly dumping fish in Japan, we covered it. Then the outlet claimed former press secretary Anthony Scaramucci had a secret meeting with the Russians. Newsweek took the eighth award, who fabricated an international handshake snub. CNN's fourth award came in the ninth. Their anonymous source falsely claimed that former FBI director Comey would refute Trump's claim that he told three times he was under investigation. Um, what do they got next? New York Times bookends the top ten with a false claim. Trump administration was trying to hide a climate report that was already public. But I have other ones. Crushed by the weight of his own absurdity, fakey fail, this is Jim Acosta sad-facing over this. Now, the reality is Jim Acosta was inundated from 12, uh, uh, 25 April 2015 picture. Uma Abedin and yours truly on the, about to hit the red carpet. And his smile is something you've never seen with Uma Abedin. You would never see this ever with a Republican. And everybody just put that picture on his feed. It was there thousands of times. But here is just one week of CNN coverage with Jim Acosta. Well, I, I think so. I, you know, I uh, covered the campaign as, as John did, and uh, April was out there some. Linda may have been out there as well. Uh, you know, I, as I like to remind people, because we forget these things, during the campaign, the now president, then candidate uh, Donald Trump, referred to the press as, uh, as liars, as scum, as thieves, as disgusting and dishonest. Uh, and he carried that, that act, that shtick right into the White House and started to refer to us as uh, enemy of people and, and fake news. Um, that has had a, a corrosive effect. I think it's undermined people's confidence in the press. And, and what we've seen since then is that not only does the president do it, but he has uh, legions of followers who will repeat that and parrot that on social media. I absolutely receive uh, death threats. Some of my colleagues receive death threats at CNN. This is not news. Uh, this is something that's been reported on before. Um, and, you know, it's something that our, our folks are concerned about. But you try not to take uh, too seriously, but it, it is an ongoing concern, sure. We're uh, pointed out, I guess, so to speak, um, <clears throat> my new chum, uh, as it were. Uh, 
what what happened there? You were you were you were asking a question. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, I'm sorry. The, forgive me. The the person who was there, the the president of Kazakhstan, president of Kazakhstan, yeah, was there. Um, and as often happens, I, I saw a photo. Uh, a lot of stick microphones. It's a photo op, basically, but it's become. It's what we do. The thing that you shout a question at some point. No? Yeah, I was in the Oval Office. What yeah. set it off differently this time? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if he's fixated on me or fixated on us. I was just doing the same thing that, that April uh, tries to do and John tries to do on a regular basis. I well, you do have it. history. Uh, there's, a, there's a little <laughs> bit of a history. I might suggest uh, why he was fixated on you. That's maybe so. Um, I'm being a little facetious. I but, yeah. uh, no, I, you know, we're, we're going to. The, and you're there as a pool. Also, you're pool. I represent. Large, I was. Yeah, we were in the, We were the TV pool that day. Right. We were CNN was the TV pool that day, and so I was going in as a representative of that news organization. And my job that day was to ask the president a question about uh, this S storm that he started last week, when he said that there are uh, immigrants coming in from S hole countries. Uh, I don't know. This may be a family program, so I'll try to. Uh, it's the House of Free Speech. Polite. Fire away. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thank you for your courtesy. Shit happens, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now um, you've gone too far. No. no. Children are watching. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I would... <laughs> John's not going to be too long. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I went in there and I, you know, uh, April asked the question on Friday, which I thought was a legitimate question, asking the president, are you a racist? That was a totally legitimate question. And there was nothing wrong with April asking that question, because when the president of the United States says it's you are you're coming from a shithole country if you come from Africa and that we want more people coming in from Norway. God damn it. I will say it out loud that it is our right. It is our duty. It is our role to ask the president of the United States if he's a racist. Now, that question had been asked on Friday. But my my job on Monday was to ask him about the second part of what he had to say, which is I would like to see more people coming in from countries like Norway. And so I asked the question and he paused and he said, I want people coming in from everywhere. Do you want more and then white? I said, well, what about white and Caucasian countries? And that was what set him off. Okay. And he said, out. Now, uh, let and me, and I, yeah. you know, listen, to pick up on what Melinda said and what John said and, and what April said, and I, let me just get this out because yeah. I want to get this out of my right. system. The only reason why we're here tonight, yeah. the only reason why we're having this subject, all due respect to Melinda, I'm going to differ with her somewhat, it is not just because the public does not have an understanding of what we do. It is not because the public... Uh, lacks the the intellect or the sophistication to understand oh, what no, the media no, is no, doing. No, I, no. I, I, I don't believe that person. I, I, I don't want absolutely. To, and, I, and I don't think that's what you were saying. One hundred percent. My my belief is, and it is a strong belief, is that the president of the United States is acting in a way that is simply unpresidential when it comes to dealing with members of the press. But, we should not no. tolerate this. Okay. And. I, I, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me just say this. Right. It, it is not right to call us the enemy of the people. Exactly. It is not right to call us fake exactly. news. It is not right to retweet images of the president exactly. tackling reporters, exactly. uh, Which, running them over with trains, this uh, is squashing China, them this like is a not bug. Russia. This is the United States That's right. of and, America. And, and, and I'm sorry, to, but, but when I got thrown out of the Oval Office or, or told to get out of the Oval Office, uh, to me, that is a badge of honor, right. uh, and it is something that I, you know, I had a colleague who said, I had a colleague who said, he sent me the transcript without underline and red ink. He said, frame it, and you know what? I am going to frame it. I am going to frame it. No, not convinced. CNN's in the tank, and they're part of the DNC. Okay, here's just Chris Cuomo.
for one week here about what's going on in the White House, okay? Because the president is just showing you who he is. This is who he is, okay? We sum it up in a word, okay? There it is. This is the gift that he decided to give the American people. It's a bad word. My kids are watching right now. I made sure they did. I don't want to teach my kids and your kids a bad word. My president decided to make that choice. Here's the big mistake, though. Hiding from the word. Uh, not speaking it, not really talking about it because it's too ugly. Laughing it off. Well, this is just how he is. Normalizing it. Well, you know, he was voted in, so it's okay. It's not okay. It is who he is. It wasn't a fit of pique. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. How do we know? Because he has given us the same impression of how he feels every chance he has. Facts. According to the New York Times, last summer in another immigration meeting, the president said Haitians, quote, all have AIDS. And he reportedly said that immigrants from Nigeria would, quote, never go back to their huts after seeing the United States. As a candidate, Mr. Trump called Mexicans rapists and insulted an American-born judge of Mexican descent. Each time you hear one of these, we laugh it off. And it's always been a mistake. Who can forget when he infamously equated white supremacists with the people protesting against them last August in Charlottesville, Virginia. Listen. I think there's blame on both sides. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. On both sides. Remember that? There was never two sides to that. You never equate anything with white supremacy and hate. We don't do that in this country. The president did. This is who he is. And it is no small irony that Oprah does come to mind for me. Do you remember what Oprah said when she was asked the greatest lesson, the greatest advice she ever got? She quoted on now deceased Maya Angelou, may she rest in peace. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. The question is, does it make it okay that the president said this and his base would agree? Let's debate that. CNN political commentators Simone Sanders and Jack Kingston are with us. Jack, I'm going to give you a bye on the question of whether or not you condone the... Kofefe, C-O-F-E-F-E. -E. Good enough. Close. You win. Um, Thank you very much. That's the only good answer we've heard about that word in it, days. It was really C-O-V-F-E. We don't know that. F-E. <laughs> But it, again, is a nonsense word, so we're not sure that its root is actually in Sanskrit, which is what you're probably uh, used to using, so I don't know. Anyway. You did a great Wilson, job. And her saying she doesn't recall, she got into it with Cory Booker. You accused Booker of mansplaining to Nielsen, Secretary Nielsen, who's, of course, a woman. Why? Why did you call it that? Well, Chris, I just think it, it would have been covered differently if it were a Republican senator yelling or lecturing uh, a, a, a woman coming before the Senate, not giving her a chance to explain herself, grandstanding. I know he's auditioning for 2020. I understand that. But he was disrespectful, and he did mansplain to her. And she's an intelligent woman. She's the Secretary of Homeland Security, and she deserved an opportunity to answer Well, she was there uh, for a rant. long time. She was answering. She just kept saying the same things. Here was Booker's response. I want to get your response to his sure. response. 
Well, first of all, I'm glad they're finally attacking me. Uh, they, they attack senators almost every single day. Uh, but it's a little insulting to say that uh, I should be treating cabinet secretaries one way or another depending upon their gender. I'm standing here as a United States senator in my official capacity challenging uh, a cabinet secretary who's lying before the Senate on an issue that affects my state as well as this nation, as well as us internationally, something as serious um, as her lying about overt bigotry coming out of the, out of the White House. So, Rana, let's put the potential mendacity to the side, because you and I aren't going to figure out who's lying and who's not, not, not today. But in this age of recognizing women as equal once and for all, on all levels, why would he have to treat Nielsen differently? She's so strong. She's so competent. She's so empowered. Why would he have to talk to her differently than he would to a man? I don't think he should have to talk to her differently, but I will say... He was disrespectful to her as the Secretary of Homeland Security, and he was mansplaining to her. And I do think there's How a hypocrisy. How is it mansplaining just there's because a she's a, just she's a woman? Elizabeth. That's what you're saying. Because they talk to people like that all the time, Rana. Well, they talk to men like that all the time. As to how Elizabeth Warren is treated versus how Secretary... Terry Nielsen is treated. The when president Republicans calls her Pocahontas. Ask, yeah, but when Democrats interrupt Elizabeth Warren, the media goes crazy. And when it just happened to when? Secretary when that Nielsen, ever happen? they didn't go crazy. It, it happens. It's almost impossible to interrupt Elizabeth Warren. I, <laughs> well, that's I a fact. That's but, true. But uh, who says that when Warren gets interrupted, it, you know, people go crazy in the media? Even the Pocahontas thing gets laughs these days. And that's about as offensive as you see in political mainstream dialogue. The president gets away with that on the regular. Here's the deal. Cory Booker was grandstanding. He was lecturing her. He didn't give her a chance to respond. It was disrespectful. And he's auditioning for 2020. Oprah just got the headlines, and now he wanted to make the headlines. So he got him uh, in a way where he didn't listen to the person testifying in front of him in the Senate. Right, I just I don't think bring that's up. respectful. I'm not quibbling with your points. There's always politics being played. There's no question. Uh, but it's just interesting. This this woman, Nielsen, is in charge of keeping the rest of us safe. She's the Homeland Security Secretary. And she's Security Secretary. qualified and this, excellent at her job. This is a tough, well, look, that was a tough day for her there, and we'll see what it brings out in the wash about how people... ...situation. He chose to make this comparison, which nobody questions. They're parsing the word because they can. Uh, and they're trying to blame it on the media because they think that works for them. Time will tell the test. Uh, you have these two senators on one side, but remember, A.B., we went to the White House when it happened, and Raj, whatever his name is, didn't back off the words. No denial. Collins then talked to a staffer, and they said, yeah, that's what he said, and we believe the base is okay with it, just like with the NFL stuff. Lindsey Graham was in the same room, uh, a contemporaneous um, uh, statement to Tim Scott has a lot of value in it, but uh, Jeff Flake says that people told him that this was the language, this was the sentiment before it even became public. Uh, did Joe you can't make this shit up. Do I think it's cool that the president does this? No, I don't. I think it's a lot like Obama doing it when he had all his goddamn problems with Fox News. I thought it was very unprofessional. But in the Acosta, that was at a symposium. The anger, pounding his fist. It's, our, it's so important we call him a racist. And Cuomo every day attacking the president. And then when faced with... Well, well, you don't do that when Booker does something. When when Pocahontas gets insulted, it is Women's March pussy hats on CNN. I could do a whole symposium on Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, Jake Tapper. The entire network all day long is just a DNC platform. You hate the president. 
But they look at it as a badge of honor. When the American people are looking at you as you used to be the trusted name in news. We used to go to you for breaking news in the country. Now nobody does. Because regardless if it's a fucking volcano or if it's a fucking little baby that fell in a well, you're going to blame Trump. The guy's bad, but you're worse. You've given up all objectivity to play politics. And if I wanted that, I'd just go to the, the Democrats on Twitter and read their tweets all day. Which I'm sure most of you do. To a music break. News. Social. Media. Nuggets.
poking at the media bubbles, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance we have right see these girls yep. no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales he's in the military now Military corner, and with this shutdown, I, I know I could say, well, if that's not enough, here's some more proof how much progressives hate the veterans that give them their very freedoms. All left in insanity, U.S. soldiers are stormtroopers of an evil empire. There's a note on this that I hope most of you resistance members out there in California can listen to. Normal people might find some of this offensive. We hope they do. America is an evil empire. Its troops are fascist in uniform, with every one of them a war criminal. The, that bit of anti-American propaganda, propaganda comes via the Antifa site is going down. The alt-left folks who can't afford an apostrophe. I had thought the Antifa scum had calmed down after news reports the government was treating them like domestic terrorists, or if nothing else, I figure they had gone to ground. Or under it. This is the first truly demented piece I've seen on IGD for some time. Headline on yellow ribbons and counterinsurgency from a veteran. It purports to tell a veteran's view of why America is evil. Certainly we've seen anti-American veterans before. John Kerry can be named. Throwing his medals. But this is different and far more disturbing. It paints a dark and hateful picture of our military as we enter the 242nd year of American empire. Yeah, I'm sure those colonialists were really empire building. Other than the constant turmoil, destruction, and evil that has accompanied American conquest, another constant has remained. The constant is the American soldier. The article continues. The image here is from American heroes in Afghanistan. The author slams our military. You are simply the tools of capitalism, the destroyers of lives, the stormtroopers of an evil empire. Yes, stormtroopers. 
drawn from either Nazi Germany or Star Wars Empire. He then continued to attack not just the military, but the rest of us. We wave flags, host barbecues, and come just shy of licking the combat boots used to snuff the life out of poor brown folks around the world. I am a veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan, a former non-commissioned officer of the U.S. military, and I am as much a war criminal as any imperial foot soldier in history. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. There are a lot of people like this guy. There are a lot of people in our country that believe that. And I won't even read the rest. He's saying you should date trans people, go in the street. Uh, I, I don't even want to cover all this. I really don't. I, I'm just gonna move on, cause that shit just, fuck you. Fuck you. The sacrifices people are making every day for your sorry fucking ass. Go fuck yourself. I hope you die in a horrible car crash. An American soldier and her Afghan dog. Interesting story. This is on Task of Purpose from January 16th. She gotta bring one back, which I thought was really neat. Um, if you wanna read it, I just wanted to highlight it. I thought it was a great story. The Army is learning to love the Stinger missile again. When I was a, private we had stinger missiles and he didn't really cover it for a long time but they're talking that they're bringing it back out for air defense because air defense has pretty much been gutted under obama in the state of our current wars when they don't have aircraft so if we ever do get in a real war um with opposing forces that have vehicles like we do and are constructed like we do we're kind of fucked so the stinger is going to be really important Picks or it didn't happen. War fighting in the age of videotape atrocities. Seven years ago, when I was still in the Army, a young private in my company did something highly unusual. He posted a picture of human excrement, his own presumably, on Facebook with a caption, I'm the shit. Now fi- suffice to say this guy was not an academic stud, and I have witnessed him do plenty of odd things before. But if the intent was to offer proof that he was, as he claimed, the shit, the accompanying photograph didn't just undermine that goal, but also marked him as a soldier who might benefit from psychiatric attention. He must have understood this, strangely as this guy was. He was no lunatic, so why did he do it? And the rest of the article go into a lot of raw footage that you're seeing is doctored and bullshit. And that doesn't surprise me. If you go to YouTube, there's a lot of shit out there that I'm just like, okay, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. But it goes back into our Antifa-loving people. They're putting it out. Remember, a video of some reporters getting shot up made Bradley Manning release the largest treasure trove of American intel ever. It was collateral damage. It wasn't on purpose. But we spent years trying to recover from that. So I think part of the undermining of our country by these people the left coddle up to like Antifa is really just to bring us down. They want anarchy. They, they don't want a government and... If you believe that, then you really have problems. 
because we can barely function with a government. Anarchy is going to be fun. Army scientists are going to unveil the most advanced night vision tech yet. Major step forward in reclaiming the night. Scientists recently developed a new process to engineer material that could revolutionize the branch's night vision capabilities at a minimal cost. They announced this on January 11th. This new material, if incorporated into an infrared camera system, could significantly enhance soldiers' ability to assess the battlefield under the cover of darkness. The human eye is optimized by nature's observed reflected light from the sun in a very narrow band of color known as the visible spectrum. However, all objects in the natural glow with a faint light, even a low temperature, which produce colors in the infrared range, which are invisible to the naked eye. These wavelengths are about 10 times longer than those of the visible life. And this new shit is going to make us to be able to suck it in better. And that's awesome. Because the PVS-5 to PVS-14, I don't even know what the Delta Force seals have was incredible, the depth, the color, and the ability of that night vision goggle, even in a rainforest, to be able to see shit was just insane. So this new shit should be great. So more to follow on that. And now to our college crazy. Professor valuing emotion as knowledge fights white identity. Hope's Kitts, an assistant professor at the University of New Mexico, argues in a recent academic journal article that valuing emotion as knowledge is a good strategy for deconstructing hegemonic white identity. Endorsing that view that racism is a white problem, she says students should all expect to be uncomfortable at times while they develop a white identity that itself is crucial. Or, I'm sorry, we read that wrong. Develop a white identity that itself is critical of white choice. So, more of the must-hate-yourself because of your skin pigmentation, which sounds pretty fucking racist. Antifa group torches ice flyers at UT San Antonio. A group made up largely of UT San Antonio students recently posted a video of one of its members torching a stack of ice flyers. The group had discovered the flyers on the University Bulletin Board and decided to destroy them because they allegedly contained rhetorically, objectively false statements. You remember, they're about open borders. UNH offers Unpacking Whiteness Workshop for faculty staff. University of New Hampshire is hosting a workshop this week for white faculty and staff members called Unpacking Whiteness. Workshop on examining whiteness and focusing your work to end systemic racism. The event is intended to explore the invisible system that confers advantages on those people considered white while disadvantaging people of color. Wow, you got to dig deep. I hope you stretch before you put do this packing. Unpacking, excuse me. Because that's some made-up bullshit. Advisor resigns after wishing Ali Stuckey a Me Too moment. They got rid of that person out there. That's good. School district pays teen $800,000 for refusing to let her sleep with boys. We covered this in the summer. Wisconsin school district will pay a transgender student $800,000 to settle a lawsuit suit she filed. And successful attempts to share bathrooms and overnight sleeping quarters with male high school students. Ash Whitaker, attorney, will get 650000 of that amount and she gets the rest. <laughs> the money will be paid out by the district's insurance company after using taxpayer dollars for their $25,000 deductible. 
Before the settlement, the case had been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court after the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in Whitaker's favor. The court agreed that Kenosha Unified School District illegally singled Whitaker out for discrimination because he is transgender. Whitaker also demanded to be allowed to run for prom king and won that finally a year as well, last year as well. Whitaker claimed fees were $1.7 million, so he estimated it if we went up to Supreme Court or back down to trial court to try the case and go through anything that their fees would be somewhere near, near $5 million. So it became a real economic decision. The Seventh Circuit unanimously decided that a policy that requires an individual to use a bathroom does not conform with his or her gender identity violates Title IX. Sex, of course, refers to biological sex, the fact of being male or female. Gender identity is fundamentally opposed to the concept of biological sex, blah, 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 and that's the wave of the future. You are going to get this all over the country because the agenda is using the gay agenda. Find a Christian organization, force them to go against their Christian views. Liberal courts go with the violation of right to religion before they go against this group because it's groupthink. Why LGBT activists can't see what's wrong with a nine-year-old drag queen? Brandon Hilton, owner of an online clothing store specialized in erotic clothing, recently announced that nine-year-old drag queen Laticia was his company's newest cover girl. He tweeted, I think in the new generation of drag queens is brilliant and inspiring, looking sickening. People will talk no matter what. Might as well give them something fierce to look at. This article breaks it down. Why kids are so important to the LGBT left. The image of young boy are undeniable adult in nature, from the makeup to the posing to the facial expression. The boy is emulating adult woman being sexually provocative. He has seen this behavior in drag queen members. Drag is inherently adult form of entertainment meant to exaggerate feminine sexuality using humor and vulgarity. The sexuality within the art form cannot be separated out and therefore many oppose minors and certainly children. Since LGTB people first celebrate the boy, he has been a symbol of the movement crossing a line. While those on the right are quick to assert pedophilia as a motivation behind the movement, it is more rooted in sexual and gender theory that relies on children for validation. They have to get the kids brainwashed. The next section, an identity defined by sexuality struggles to express itself differently. In June 2017, The Advocate, an LGBT advocacy website, celebrated Leticia. The boy has become a celebrity in the LGBT world. Hilton believed he was promoting a celebrating a young boy considered inspired his identity group. The LGBT world often struggles to separate its sexually explicit culture from its advocacy for equality and rights. In many ways, they're incapable of understanding why the outside world would be appalled by the sexualization of a child. The consequences here is that Hilton and the LGBT world will never be fully able to fully appreciate the damage being done to a generation of children that are being forced to grow up too fast. The LGBT left intense focus on labeling than exploiting children holds incredible risk and threatens their future. Early sexual activity and expression can be devastating to young people. High rates of drug abuse, sexual abuse, and risky sexual behavior are common. HIV rates are extremely high for gay and bisexual young men aged 13 to 40. Nearly 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBT, 
a higher risk of drug use and sex work. And we've covered it over and over and over. How 80% of them go back to the original sex because it's a fad. But the left is so in, the majority leader of the House, Nancy Pelosi, will be a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, Drag Race All-Stars. That that's that's nice. That's nice. And to prep us for next year or next year, next week's podcast, which I'm gonna try to do on Tuesday. If not, it'll be Saturday, depending on weather and my wife's work schedule. Five year study, Nets spend fewer than twenty four minutes on March for Life. Folks, the March for Life was on Friday, which you wouldn't have known it because it wasn't covered. Alright? wasn't covered. The Women's March was covered. We circulated all sorts of fake pictures that we'll cover on the next podcast. We promoted the pussy hats, vulgar signs, and all the lot. But this is the conduct that was done. Just a precursor. Planned Parenthood Pack. It's been a year full... It's been a year full of unpopular, relentless attacks on our health rights and communities. We held off some of this worst attacks. We're ready for what's to come. This year, we'll reclaim our rights. Anti-women's health extremists can have today. We'll take November 6th. Get registered. Text PTP 788-683. Protect our health rights and communities or pack your bags. Casey Dillon, disgusting. Colin Stapleton. Anyone I disagree with is anti-woman. What about the Women's March and the March for Life? Um, half the march are women. Can you possibly say this with any more hate in your tone towards women who love their children? Right. Because killing human life isn't anti-woman. That's some crazy verbal gymnastics. This is how Planned Parenthood and their sick progressive ideologues are propagating the March for Life 2018. How disgusting and ghoulish is it to demonize folks who stand for life? Have you seen Planned Parenthood's response to March to 20, Life 2018? It's despicable. The NARAL said, hold our beer. The March for Life is an opportunity for anti-choice power players to network and try to gain more influence and make the movement appear more popular than it really is. The insidious power of the anti-choice movement is a chart they put up. The anti-chart movement, choice movement, is gathering in D.C. today, but their presence is felt beyond just the March for Life. They spent decades finding new ways to insinuate themselves into our government, policies, and pol- politics. All you've got left is conspiracy theories, even if you don't believe them, Nayral, somebody said. Bob Chipman, stop treating these people like people. That's how they treated people who were marching for babies. You didn't see it on your TV. CNN didn't have 55 correspondents out there trumping up the sides of the crowd for the Women's March, tweeting fake pictures. No, you didn't see any of that. So that's our next podcast. Now for our lighter thing.
Today is Yusha Smith with Military Sexual Harassment Training. Okay, so what you're saying is if a female was to walk by me, grab my beard, that wouldn't be sexual harassment? First of all, she wouldn't grab your beard. You fat and you ugly as shit. So what if she was to grab my ass? Well, that just means you're going to jail for rape. There's no version of this where you come out on top, okay? Ladies, let me remind you. If he say hi, if he say bye, if he wink or even blink, if he thinks if he shake like a grape, straight out of shape, busting tape, she is rape, 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 rape. She that's rape, 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 rape. Come on, ladies, say it with me now. If you let him smash, then he dash. You don't call back, that's his ass. D was lame, playing games, and you regret. I cool back. Yo, that's rape, rape. Rape, rape, I got your ass now. Yeah, that's right. Rape, 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 rape. Fuck this job. Some pretty funny shit. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by email and F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop podcast at gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. There you can find links to our Facebook page, our email, and on the episode release page, you can find a link to every doggone show and on the blog page, a link to my blog. Shooting for a podcast on the 23rd. If not, it will revert out, um, should be the 27th. I'll do it on a Saturday. <clears throat> but I should be able to get one done Tuesday. That's what I'm going to shoot for. We've had incredible listens this week. Over 700 listens. Tokyo, how you doing? Somebody over there is listening to a lot of shows, and I'm appreciative. Budapest, Germany, and 370 in the United States. So, looks like, like me, we're all going back to podcasts. We're at work, and we're not listening to holiday music and things like that. So, um, thank you very much for your patronage. I hope you all have an incredible week wherever you're at. Stay warm if you're going to be in the cold. If you're in the south, enjoy the warm weather for a while. As usual, disconnect from your devices on the weekend. Spend time with your family and friends. And as always... Thanks for listening, my friends, and take care.